in less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world, and you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind. That word should add new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interests. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July and you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We are fighting for our right to live, to exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday but as the day the world declared in one voice we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We are going to live on. We are going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. ambition that sets our audience apart, my friends, right there. Uh, thank you to Randy in Minnesota, who created that. God bless you, Randy in Minnesota. You're a good man. If one with a frighteningly amount of, you know, frightening amount of free time on his hands. God bless you, sir. You're doing the Lord's work. All right, it's um, two minutes, and the, the best part, by the way, in that whole thing is when it does the, just the... Because it's a computer, and so it's doing it all at one at one pace, and it has just the, the tiniest hair's breadth of a pause before humanity. That work and the idea of a computer. I know that I'm dissecting the comedy, which makes it, maybe makes it, it reduces its punch. But the irony of a computer voice going on and on about the nature of humanity is pretty great too. Ladies and uh, I just like when he says mankind. 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 <laughs> Uh, it's three minutes and 14 seconds after the hour of 11, and it's the month of October in the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are here live at the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us on another excursion into whimsicality. Uh, it is... Uh, it is Tuesday, and welcome to Day 12. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. With your comments, your clarifications, your two cents, your corrections, your conventions, your what have you. Uh, Christopher Scott standing by in uh, the hobble formerly occupied by Scotty J. Uh, ready to pass along your observations, your comments, your input about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the whatever, the what have you, the ends or the odds. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am or Tim at 970.am. This email says, Rick, about the show opening today. Wow. Was that Independence Day or an alternate take? Bill Pullman sounded much less wooden and robotic in his delivery. A freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We are fighting for our right to live, to exist, 
and should we win the day? The 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day the world declared in one voice we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We are going to live on. We are going to survive. Today, we celebrate our independence day. I, just, love, I love him for putting the claps at the end. The sort of, well, it's like the small, subtle thing. It's and the little details. the peaks in the music. You know what? Randy it, from Minnesota is my hero. God is in the tiniest of brush strokes, Sarah. Really Too bad is. he's so far away to apply for Scotty's old job. Yeah, oh, by the way, uh, today we'll begin going through some of the, uh, we'll go through some of the job applications. We have now, people are now applying. That's a stack. Yes. Uh, so we'll, we'll start going through some of the applications for Scotty's, uh, Scotty's gig. I'd say that Scotty came by yesterday. Did I mention that? Scotty, he was kind of a kind of a tall guy, Scotty. had kind of a flat top haircut, looked sort of gray. The guy who used to make his coffee? <laughs> yeah, that guy. That I guy. think it was Scotty. Um, yeah, he stopped by the he stopped by yesterday because he had to drop off a final bit of paperwork. Already just a withered husk of his former self. Already a human being rendered completely in monochromatic tones. Well, what can you do? Life is for the living. Uh, it's 503-733-2. 970. I can tell it's going to be one of those dangerous programs because we've all got a case at the giggles already. We're not even seven minutes into the program and everything is dangerously hilarious to me. Uh, all right, here's what's coming up today. We'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Let me try really hard not to giggle during this because it would sound very uh, inappropriate. Uh, apparently, look, I don't know what's going on in New York City. I mean, apart from just the, the, the normal weirdness and nonsense. But really seriously, let me not just speak to the assembled peoples of Manhattan and the other four boroughs. If you have to get together and pass, I'm now quoting from the CNN prep sheet, if you have to pass a piece of anti-noose legislation, it's time for somebody to sit down and have a long town hall meeting with everybody else. Do you know what I mean? There's something real. In fact, we were so unsure that this was a real story that we actually had to sort of verify it with the CNN people this morning. There's something really wrong with your city if you need to start passing laws about nooses. You could, you know, try to do us a favor, at least step into the post-1964 world. You know, if you can't make it all the way into the 21st century. Anywho, uh, so we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum. I thought we were going to be talking to CNN radio correspondent James Roop about the wildfires. Uh, that avenue to discourse has been closed off to me today. So I'll be talking to Rachel McGrath, who probably cares less about the fires than even we do. And I don't really care all that much about the fires. Let me just double check. We're sure that nobody, we're sure that no one has lost their lives. This is merely, this, this is now just the home of know. Suzanne Summers. Tim was convinced because, see, that's one of those we've learned early on. We learned early on in this program that it's all, it's all amusing as long as everybody in the story is merely injured or preferably escaped without harm at all. As soon as somebody, as soon as, you know, somebody dies, then, it's, then we feel like we have to ratchet down the... Uh... California wildfire death toll 2007. No, that's not... No, no, no. That's not... Too, oh, you mean the year. Tim yeah. says no one has died. That it's merely the home of Suzanne Summers that's being threatened. Is that yes. right? It could be here. A second home going up in smoke. And that's just wrong, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Well, in any event, I mean, I made this observation earlier. One person killed, four firefighters injured. Well, four firefighters injured, which of course, you know, we, you know, that happens because they get they're, they're out there with that 130 degree temperature, and then they got like 900 pounds of equipment. And I'll tell you this right now, I was going to ask Rook how much those guys make, because however much it is, really, it ought to just be tripled. And I think firefighters all have fought, they ought to fall into that category of person that just doesn't pay any more taxes. Well, a lot of times on the front line, they, they empty out the prisons and put the prisoners out there. Is that true? That is very true. Why hasn't somebody made a movie about that? 
I don't know. Why hasn't Jerry Bruckheimer or Michael Bay or somebody made some movie where the prisoners who were turned loose to fight a wildfire, uh-huh. and then, of course, one of the prisoners makes a break for it, and one of the prisoners, uh, uh, you know, rescues a girl from something. One of the other prisoners meets a woman, you know, on the front lines and falls in love. Two of the other prisoners take somebody hostage, and then one prisoner makes a tearful speech at the end about how they've entrusted us with a second chance. Will we repay them with effort or with scorn? Oh. And that prisoner would be played by Vin Diesel. There you go. Bam! Done. And at the end, oh, how about how great is this? So Michael Bay directs, so it doesn't really have to be good, and you know people will go see it. They release a bunch of prisoners to go fight a California wildfire, because, of course, all movies must be set in either New York or California, right? Mm-hmm. It's the only reason anybody will care about anything, well, apparently, in this country. Places, yeah. Those are the only two important places in America, yeah. California and New York. Uh, so they release all the prisoners, uh, and, you know, one of them is sort of quirky, and one of them is... And then you have, like, your uh, uh, your John Turturro guy. He's a, pre- he's a white-collar criminal. He's there because he was hacking into some sort of a bank computer system, like they always do in movies. He's out there, and then you have... Diesel, and then you have at one point at the climax of the film, you have one of the criminals who has been released from the LA County prison to fight the wildfire. The security guard, or the you know the, the, the sort of the, the penitentiary officer with whom he has an adversarial relationship, is trapped on the other side of a ravine of flame, and then he has to choose. He has to look deep within himself. As a Lance Henriksen would say in, uh, in Millennium, he has to look into the abyss, into the eyes of the creature. He has to stare into his own internal blackness, into the mirror of one man's own soul. And he has to decide whether to let the cop die or whether to rescue him. And at the end, he rescues the cop. And then the cop, you know, then testifies at his parole hearing. And then we all go home, and I feel cheated out of my 950. That's a movie right it's there. It's a terrible idea. Uh, it's a terrible idea. That'll make millions of and dollars. That would make $250 million domestic. Thanks for sharing our script with you. We'll get back to you. <laughs> Let me go register with that with the WGA right now. They're on strike. <laughs> oh, well, never mind. <laughs> well, this is, this is the best time to, to be out selling it. That is true. That's true. And if I can cast somebody from a recently uh, popular reality program, too, that would help. Uh, that would help get this project greenlit. Fantastic. This is a good time to be pitching movie scripts because there's nobody writing Jack right now. All right. What were we talking about? Uh, I'm sorry. It's only Tuesday and we become dangerously goofy. Uh, in any event, we'll talk to a CNN radio correspondent, Steve Kastenbaum, and then we were going to talk to Jim Roop about these California wildfires. Were you aware that Jim Roop's pants caught on fire at some point yesterday? No. No, neither was I. I'm aware now, but it doesn't do me any good. It does me exactly squat because I won't be able to talk to him about it today because they got me talking to Rachel McGrath. Rachel McGrath, while a charming person with a sort of icy British wit, is not even from this country, not even from this continent, and probably cares less about about the California wildfires than even we do, which doesn't seem uh, easy. Says Rick, the Shima says, I heard your Monday talk with Jim Roop. I was surprised you didn't mention about his pants catching on fire when he did a brief report from the field on Monday morning. You might want to ask him about it. Uh, I heard it on KJLL 1330. This is uh, Dennis from Tucson listening to us on the Internet. So, well, I'd love to ask Jim Roop about that, but we have been denied permission to talk to him. Apparently, it's just not that important. Not denied. I think he's traveling or something. You know, this is an important story. You would think that at least they could find a citizen to talk about it. That's my only point. Suzanne Summers is away from home at the moment. Really? Yeah. Is she in a secure location? 
Is it going to be like in the? Is it going to be like in the Land of the Lost where they put her up in a granite cave that's six thousand feet above sea level, so she can't be touched by the flames? She's in the panic room. She is. Imagine how many thigh masters she'll have to move to buy herself a third house if this one goes up. Why don't they just start? I have a suggestion to make, and I know this sounds facetious, but really, why don't they just start spraying that entire state, just to hose down the entire left coast with asbestos? I mean, I know it gives you cancer, but so does just living in. Ca- Look, if you live in California, you're going to die before the age of 50 from something anyway. Guy's going to shoot you on the freeway. You're going to take a wrong turn on Oakland and be beaten to a pulp. Uh, it doesn't. You're going to go to the Galleria on the wrong day, and a crack dealer's going to shoot you in the face. It doesn't matter. If you live in California, you will die young. That is just the way of things. My Not unless you move to Oregon in time. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying, but if you stick around. No, don't stick around. If you stay in California, oh. I mean, the, the toe board on your life is falling and fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else coming up today? Uh, top five presidential campaign songs of all time. We will get to that. The top five presidential campaign songs. Uh, later on today, we'll be giving away a copy of American Gangster uh, on DVD from BET, ladies and gentlemen. BET Paramount Home Entertainment. American Gangster Season 1. This hard-hitting series features true crimes with real consequences. The complete first season hits streets October 23rd, which I believe is today, only from BET Home Entertainment. Later on, when you hear Tim Riley say, Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. When you hear that later on, be caller number 9 at 503-733-297. They don't call now. And uh, you'll win a copy of uh, American Gangster Season 1 on DVD. Uh, we'll get to this uh, the pile of job applications. I've got a series of notes about various things that have happened over the last day or so uh, and uh, so forth. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Why, hello. Hello. What's up? Oh, nothing. My stomach still hurts. I went to a big, fancy dinner thing last night, and my stomach hasn't been the same since. Now, what... I feel like there's like a rock sitting in my stomach. Fantastic. It was really gross. Fantastic. What? Excellent. Uh, where did you uh, Where did you go? I went to this beautiful, like, fancy house in North Portland with my friend Pasha. Uh-huh. She has all these, you know, like, fabulous art friends who all, you know, have, uh, they're all just super creative and they're all like sculptors. Now, we've discussed this before that you've become the sort of go-to date for people whose dinner companions I, abandon them at the last minute. I am the fill-in girl. Like last night, um, her boyfriend couldn't go, so I went and tonight um, I'm going to see Cabaret because my friend's wife can't go. Yes. So, you you are, you're sort of like, you are a social version of one of those Academy Award show seat fillers. You know what I mean? I totally am. Guy gets up to take a whiz, they find somebody to come sit in his chairs, it doesn't look like people are Affecting. I am a filler, but that's all right. You know, if I have a lot of people in my life who um, like to take me to fun things, and you know, if their spouse or you know significant other can't go, I'm okay with that. Okay. Because I get to be cabaret tonight. Sarah Dillon, professional consort. I know. I'm so excited. But yeah, it was really, really cool. But it was definitely a look. Yeah, you've been kind of clutching your stomach, and I thought it was sort of nature's special time or something because you're no, doing that sort of. Not be- I'm not. I know. I'm not. I understand that. I'm not. I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying you were exhibiting all the symptoms of. You know, of of that of that fun couple of days, because you're doing the clutching and the bending and the, uh, the the straining and the squinting and the. Yeah, he made a huge like Thanksgiving dinner, like deep fried turkey and mashed potatoes and all kinds of pies and. You know what this is? Really this good. is that you ate quality food. Because you're not and used to doing that. It? it didn't come out of a cardboard box, and it didn't have a cheese packet on the side. And it didn't and so have to microwave it. Therefore, your body is treating it. Your bodies are treating it like those antibodies treat Raquel Welch in Fantastic Voyage. They're just we're trying to repel it as some sort of an alien invader. That you've got to you, you've got to be careful with that because if you especially if you work in radio and you have what we charitably refer to as a frugal sedentary lifestyle. 
it, all the food you eat costs a dollar ninety nine, and it's filled with sulfites and sodium. Uh huh. And so if you're ever going to try to eat normal food, you got to sort of work up to it. You know, you got to like swing two bats in the on deck circle I before you try to put anything. No, you try to eat anything natural, anything that actually comes from a farm. Yeah, I eat like salads and oh. like um, greens and. Oh, it's shock. Your all kinds can't of like healthy it. stuff. No, it's no good. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. Painting with the Stars. Marie Osmond passes out live on the television. Really? A popular dance program last night. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, two teens are attacked with a tire iron at the Katama Max stuff. A man charged with DUI bolts from a courtroom after learning his bail in Hillsboro. God hates people in Southern California and continues to burn their homes to the ground. Over 300,000 have been evacuated. John Travolta, Richard Gere, and Blair Underwood will show their concern. Uh, we'll discuss the 12 germiest places you may encounter. A new fangled contraption called the Voodoo Box delivers hundreds of movies to your television. And we'll talk about those uh, blue hippo computers they try to sell poor people on TV. Okay, fantastic. Um, oh, wait, so, so now somebody's telling me that my movie has already been done. Rick, your fire movie idea is dangerously close to an already existing film. While the firefighter isn't a prisoner, the person who set the fire was an escaped convict. No, 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 you're talking about um, Firestorm uh, with former NFL great uh, Howie Long. No, that's not at all the same thing. Is that not the same thing? No, that's not the same thing at all. See, here we go again. Rick, they beat you to it with Howie Long, Firestorm. Firestorm was an Australian movie I was in that was never shown in the United States. No, 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 no. Well, there's two two different Firestorms then. I'm talking about the Australian version. Well, what was the, what was the Australian firestorm that you were in? It was, Is this another it, part of the Tim Riley uh, scenes from the cutting room Paul floor? Paul Williams. <laughs> really? Yes. Paul Williams? Yes. I didn't even know he was still alive. Well, he was back then when we filmed it in the sewer in Van Nuys. Can I? What? Let it me hold on. Location. Hold on. Stop. You fi- you made an Australian movie with Paul Williams filmed in a sewer in Van Nuys, California. That's correct. Yes. Please now to make that less crazy. I don't understand. What do you mean? What do you when you say it was an Australian film? This is by it was released only in Australia. That's correct. Yes. Okay. What year was this, Tim? Oh, about uh, let's see, it would have been about 11, 12 years ago. So this would have been nineteen ninety-five or so. I mean, there is a firestorm in nineteen ninety-five. Well, that's probably it because firestorm was an action was, sci-fi thriller. Yes, and then it was renamed Marcus Five. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. What no, was the plot? The plot was it was kind of. Uh, like these people being held underground as slaves, and they were turning these big wheels which, <laughs> in this underground sewer. Look, we're going to need you. Are you kidding? We're, look, we have all and these. And then I was stabbed in the neck with something for Paul Williams, and I fell down on the floor like Marie Osmond. In the year 2024, a fierce in battle rages on between a ruthless villain and an android resistance group. That's please tell me you were an android resistor. <laughs> please, no, please. I was one of the slaves. Really, honestly? Yeah. I was turning this big, uh, this uh, big faucet inside the sewer. I don't understand exactly the need the for the we slaves like there. Hamster wheels or something? Look, we've got all these wheels that need turning, but no one to do it. Find me, I par- find me, Tim Riley. Controls the sewer. <laughs> okay. Now, why were you a slave? Were you some sort of? Now, were you a slave to? The androids. And it's I so- was a slave to Paul Williams. <laughs> oh, that's the most revolting thing I've ever heard. Oh, Jesus, it burns. Sarah doesn't know who Paul Williams is. Not a clue. Paul Williams is sort of. He this- wrote all the Carpenter songs. But uh, isn't. Would you agree with me on this that Paul Williams uh, is sort of a real life. He looked well. He's a miniature Tom like it. I was going <laughs> to say he sort of looked like a Truman Capote. 
You know, Ooh, he's yeah. unfortunate looking. He's sort of a, you know, he's, he's on Hollywood Square. No, he's, yeah, he looks a lot like Truman Capote. That's exactly who I've always pictured Paul Williams looking like. And he was one of those guys that, it, I mean, I'm sure that he's still around now. He was sort of like, um, uh, well, he must get plenty of royalties from all those old songs. Maybe, but like he is like Charles Nelson Riley to me. In that, no matter what year it is, Charles Nelson Riley lived just a couple of years ago. But to me, it was always in the seventies. Like whenever you conjured up the image of Charles Nelson Riley in your head, like Paul Williams, and Paul Williams also has a special place in my heart because he was in the Phantom of the Paradise mm-hmm. uh, by Brian De Palma, which is. Which may, in fact, be the worst movie that's ever been made. Oh, you haven't seen Marcus Five. Or... <laughs> now, is this movie rentable? You know what? I saw it okay. in a video store in L.A. once, and I was going to rent it. But I said, well, I really don't want to see it. You didn't want to get it next week. You, you didn't want to spoil all the beautiful memories of filming it in a sewer in yeah. Van Nuys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know that acting sucks, by the way. Don't get me wrong. And I've done, you know. I was t- so happy to get that job. I've done a tiny bit of acting myself. And we, we all sort of work at this, at this point on the sort of periphery of the entertainment industry. But, I mean, A... Acting this is the very bottom of the entertainment industry. <laughs> <laughs> acting always sucks. B, there is just such a, uh, you'll pardon the pun, there is just such a slave mentality in the acting world where you are just happy for whatever they give you. Just any small crust of bread, just any tiny little thespian crumb they toss your way, you just treat as though it's manna from sweet Jesus above. Look, I, I just, I'll, I, I'm just so desperately poor and, and, and unsuccessful. What do you want? Well, look, um, I need you to be beaten by Paul Williams. Well, this just sounds retarded. I need you to be beaten by Paul Williams while turning a wheel inside the sewer in Van Nuys, California. Okay. And you are calling everybody you know, your I friends, so your, <laughs> your family. You are Aww. hanging up the phone and calling your agent to give him a raise. You're just so desperately excited that it's come true for you. Jesus. God, life sucks. Um, if I were to put Tim Riley into the Internet Movie Database, do you come up? Only once for your production. I'm Tim Riley 4. How is it? Really? Yeah. So there are three other Tim Rileys I have to sort through before even fighting you? Yeah. How is it? And actually, you're... now, well, I didn't tell you this story. But but now, as far as the Screen Actors Guild goes, I'm Timothy J. Riley. Timothy J. Riley. So how is it that you're not listed in the Internet Movie Database? Well, you're, not, you're not a composer, Tim. That's Tim Riley number four. Yeah, Tim Riley the fourth that claims is a composer. Five. Tim Riley, five. Department. Camera and electrical department. That could have been... Okay, here, Tim. Were you on TAPS? Were you in the movie TAPS? No, okay. I was not. I'm going to list for you now the Tim Rileys at the Internet Movie Database. Please to identify which one you are, because then we're going to list every single thing you've done. Tim Riley, uh, act, uh, the first. Actor, TAPS. No. Okay, Tim Riley, the second. Producer, wrong number. No. Tim Riley, the third. Music department, the movie made with John Favreau. No. Tim Riley the fourth composer. The movie Space Available. No. Tim. Tim from Tim Riley the fifth camera and electrical department. Death of a Nation. Oh, I'm. I find myself. I'm Tim Riley seven. Tim Riley seven second unit director remote control. <laughs> oh, how sad! <laughs> oh, how sad! That is the only one I've got build up. Build up. So that movie, and I'm not trying to pimp my own stuff here, but that that's a movie that Joni DeRoshi and I did. I wrote that, and she directed it. That's the only credit you've got is something I did? Yeah. How sad that a Rick Emerson film is the only place where your genius is recognized, Tim Riley. Believe it or yeah, it, it's terrible. Well, now how am Perhaps I going to... because that was an Australian movie. Okay. Well, no, I mean, you would think that... Let me ask you this. Oh, the other thing... Well, let me, let me make one correction. When I did that Australian movie, that was before I was in the union, so I wouldn't be in there. I don't think... what the, I'm not in a union, and I'm on here. 
Well, you put yourself in that. That is true. I did that. <laughs> I mean, I am vain, but not that vain. Oh, no, I'm, t- I'm totally that vain. I don't blame you. I spent about 90 minutes putting my own entry in the Internet Movie Database uh-huh. uh, for remote control, which is this is a 25-minute short film. I don't even think you can buy it. I think it's sold out at this point. Um, it's uh, I, don't, I don't think we've had more made. But, um, I don't have more made. Yeah. The holidays are coming. Yes. yes. Great gift remote idea. control. It's the perfect gift for the, for the one you love, but not that much. It's the perfect gift for someone you sort of vaguely are acquainted with. Um, but, but doing your own entry in the Internet Movie Database is so... Doing an entry period is just so excruciatingly... Well, you have boring. a writer's credit, too. I have it. Well, it's because I wrote it. Well, they're all remote control. Yeah, exactly. That's the only... <laughs> I'm remote control... Writer, and, actor, and producer? Yes. Yes, wow, indeed. Look at that that be the of this <laughs> I'm, the, I'm ready for my close up. I really am the you Robert. More credits in here than I, I am the Robert Rodriguez of Portland, Tim. Um, no, I, but the thing about doing my entry on the Internet Movie Database, and I, again, I am completely that vain that I sat down to do it. But they are serious about it. They don't want you just being able to put sit down and put put entries in willy nilly. It took me no lie. It took me almost two hours to process the entry for remote control on the Internet Movie Database. It took, here's how long it took. It took so long that when a couple years later we did the feature film version of Bigger Than Jesus, which, don't get me wrong, I am incredibly proud of, which I really, really am truly honestly proud of, it took me so long to do the entry for remote control that even with Bigger Than Jesus, which I really liked and wanted people to know about, I just didn't care that much. I was like, no way. You, there's nothing. You could not pay me enough to sit down and do that uh, Internet Movie Database entry again. It's excruciating. It's unbelievable. So, so under IMDb, that movie is listed under Firestore, which is the, the American title, but it was never released here, even though it's also known as Marcus Five. Also co-starring Bentley Mitchum. You know, does Robert Mitchum's grandson. I'm wondering right now if anybody finds this conversation even remotely interesting. No. <laughs> and Paul Williams is listed here, but with no picture. He was Dr. Tengu. Dr. Tengu. He's still they, alive. They couldn't get Anthony Zerby. All right. Whatever. Uh, oh, he has a movie in production. The Ghastly Love of Johnny the Tenth. Johnny the Tenth. Is that like the descendant of Johnny Five? Maybe. <laughs> it might be not. not the ghastly love of Johnny the Tenth. Johnny the Tenth, love you. Now I will disassemble you and dance in your skin. Uh, all right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. I apologize hey. for everything that's happening today. Yes. Hi. There, there's, you're right. Nobody is interested in that. Thank uh, you. There's, break, there's breaking news going on right now in the city of Portland. Is this re- is this real breaking news or is this breaking news given to us by some ass? Uh, well, it's real breaking news given to you by an app. All right, hold on a second. Let me just, uh, let me just, uh... Uh, All right, go ahead, sir. There's a, the bomb squad truck is uh, oh, at, the, at the east end of the Burnside Bridge. And you know that scene in Terminator 2 where, the, where she says, how many cops are outside? And he says, all of them? Right. Uh, all of the cops in Portland are down there. I mean, there's probably 60 cop cars. All over, everywhere. So at the east end of the Burnside Bridge. East end of the Burnside, Burnside and Grand, Burns, approximately. Burnside and Grand, which is sort of. I was going to. Oh, my friend Jay works right on that corner. Is he wanted well, for anything? I hope not. Uh, the I was going to mention where that's by, but some of them are advertisers and sponsors, and I don't wish to use their uh, name in the same sentence as bomb. So, uh, no, I, but I know exactly what you're talking. It's kind of in the my father's place, uh, the area. So uh, yeah, it's uh, farther farther north yeah. than, than my yeah. father's place. But yeah, yeah. So, so there are so there are now tons of cops uh, at the east end of the Burnside Bridge where it intersects with Grand. 
Yes, and they're blocking all kinds of traffic. I've been stuck over here for a while with That's people fantastic. trying to get around. Now, do you so, see, are you, are you in that area right now? Uh, I finally broke free. So, now, what you, no. Did you see cop cars? What else did you see? What other kind of vehicles did you see there? Cop cars and the bomb squad truck right in the middle of Grand Avenue. Now, how do you know it's a bomb squad truck? Does it say bomb squad? Uh, yeah. Does it really? Yeah. Does it's it actually... Big, big, uh, it's a big gray box with a big container in the middle to put the bomb into so that if it goes off, it doesn't hurt anybody. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, thank. we'll look into it. Thank you, so, sir. Figure out what that is. I'm dying to know. I'll get right on it. So it says thank here you. there is police activity near the intersection of Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard and East Burnside. Some streets are closed off. That's it. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right. I forgot that guy was still there. Uh, all right. Well, we'll look into that. we got to take a break here. We'll come back. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbomber on the corner. Also, apparently, there's some sort of bomb threat happening. Oh, and I guess there's an update on that. Uh, that uh, Was it a woman who was run over by the garbage truck yesterday? A man. 31-year-old man. Okay. So we have an update on that as well. Later on, we got the uh, top five coming up. Rachel McGrath and so forth. You stay there. It's the Rick. <laughs> Emerson Radio Program. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. All right, so we got CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, who we'll get to in a moment. Uh, as you may or may not have heard, so that there's, as the guy said earlier, apparently all of the Portland police are gathered at the east end of the Burnside Bridge where it intersects with Graham. We have somebody who is, I guess, at the scene right now. Uh, Kelly, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's up, my brother? Uh, no, I'm not at the scene, but my, you know the town storage there? Okay. The big brick building? My dad's got a studio there, cool studios and stuff. Okay. And so I and called him to see what was going on. He says the lady threatening to commit suicide. Now, that actually dovetails with a couple things that we've heard. There's uh, somebody who says, Rick... Uh, I heard on the police scanner that the police are talking to a woman who has a gun to her head uh, and is threatening to kill herself. Uh, yeah, he said she was walking around down there in bare feet over glass and stuff. He thought that's kind of odd. So this is yeah, went up there. So the southeast pol- uh, the southeast police precinct channel. Uh, the quote from the police scanner is, and this is from a listener. The quote from the police scanner is, "quote gun left hand to her head." Uh, and so what did you, now your dad is, you don't have to identify his business, you know, but he is where? Uh, and you know the town storage there? The big red, red brick building I'm, crossover? Oh, yeah, 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 I yeah. do. Yeah. Well, there's uh, art studios in there, and he's got one of those. So. Okay, and so he is there, there right so he's there right now? Yeah. And now what can he see from where, can he kind of see the scene from where he is? Um, I'm sure he could if he, uh, uh, I'm sure he's. Checking it out because he can go on any floor. Can know, you look out uh, the windows and now? Stuff, can, so. can you do me a favor? Can uh, I'm going to put you on hold and have you talk to Chris, who is the guy screening calls for us today? Can you talk to Chris and uh, can you see if maybe we can get a hold of your dad to sort of have him tell us what he can see where he is? Okay, want me to just call him and ha- I'll have him call you guys. Yeah, I'm going to put you on yeah. hold. We I'm going to put you on hold so we have your number at least okay. in case we get disconnected or something, and then we'll have this. So Chris, I'm going to put uh, Kelly on hold online. Yeah, if you can just pick up Kelly. And we'll have to see if we can get Kelly's dad to call in, who I guess is right there, he, near here. Um, so, Tim, do we have, is there anything else coming across? About Nothing this? new, just the same thing. The east end of the Burnside Bridge. All right, so in just a moment, we'll get more on that. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Back to that story in just a moment. From New York City, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going? Jesus, it's been a bit of a, it's been a, bit of a 24-hour period here. Sounds like a crazy day. Well, yesterday we had, I mean, 
It was not that we immediately jump off into a sea of morbidity. Uh, but we had, uh, was it last week that that girl was hit by the uh, the, the bicycle? I, I think it was the Friday before last. So basically a week ago, uh, it was just a girl run down on this horrific bicycle accident, which is, uh, we, is already really stirring up the city because there was a whole lot of debate about whose fault it was and whatever. <laughs> Two days later, somebody else hit by uh, a car. And then yesterday, yesterday a guy run over by a garbage truck. Uh, a bicyclist run over by a garbage truck. So there was already this sort of sense. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic about it, but there was already this sort of sense that that there, I don't know. There is just you know sometimes when you live in a city of whatever size, and you know this of course, covering you know the Big Apple, uh, that you, you know you can sense occasionally when things are reaching a sort of critical mass where just everybody is everybody's a little off balance, everything is a little off kilter. And you can sort of sense like things might be heading for some sort of weird kind of upheaval. Yeah. Um, and there has been, to, in my opinion anyway, there's been that kind of sense in Portland throughout the last seven or eight, nine days. It just seemed like, I mean, the, the same day that the... Uh, the same day that, that, that we had these pedestrians run down by a car, there was a woman who stole an RV and then chased her husband down with the RV and ran him over with it and then went on the run. And Oof. It just seems like people and cars and just plain folks are just going a little wacky over the last few. And so then today, as you heard, we just got this call a few minutes ago that they're blocking off one of the bridges. There are, by some accounts, between 60 and 65 police cars because there's some woman walking around uh, with a gun to her head. So it's... So it's it is just one of those, one of those days. Um, well, real, real, I mean, you know, this is kind of a, there's no real easy way to segue into this. But I did, speaking of people who were just going kind of wacky, I wanted to ask you about something. And I don't live in New York, and, it, you know, I, I get out there occasionally, so this doesn't really affect me. But, I mean, do you think it indicates something a little, uh, I don't know. It, it seems like there's really something wrong in your city slash state when the Senate has to get together in New York and pass what they are identifying as, quote, an anti-noose law. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, well, you know what it is? Uh, it's, um, now it's, it's a law about the displaying of a noose, and they're upping the penalty uh, and making it a felony. Which is really kind of a big deal. I mean, I mean, the felonies carry mandatory jail time. I mean, so when they say, is this displaying it at all, or is this? And the only reason I asked that is because I got to tell you, uh, you know, just on the way to work today, because we're heading towards Halloween. You know, I passed four different houses that have somebody hanging from a noose out front. <laughs> oh man, I didn't even think about that possibility. You know, so I mean, you that's... know, that's a really good question. Uh, I mean, I think the way I read into it, the way these state senators are, have proposed this, it's got to be done in the commission of a hate crime. Uh, well, all right. It just it does seem like if somebody commits a hate crime, you know, really they could just punish you for the crime part of that and just leave whatever's in your head out of the uh, out of the punishment. But that's just my that's just my thinking. All right, you know, it's just it is one of those stories that is both great and terrible. It's terrible because it's terrible, but on the other hand, it's great because it just confirms that I am correct in having a rock bottom opinion of most of humanity. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But it's yeah. 2007 in one of the most advanced cities, if not the most advanced city on planet Earth, and you've got to pass a law to keep some pinheaded, toothless, uh, you know, backwater nitwit from hanging up a noose in front of his house. Really, there's there's certain people who just ought not be in the gene pool. You know what I mean? It's really surprising that people still do this, uh, you know, in this day and age, that there are still people out there who think, hey, uh, I don't like this guy, and I want to send him a message, you know, uh, and I'm going to send him a noose, or yeah. going to hang a noose in front of his locker. Really? But it's, but it's still happening. It does really almost just seem like a parody of idiot redneck behavior. You know what I mean? 
Seems yeah, like we don't have any that. rednecks up here in New York either. So, I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't really think you did, but you know they can be crafty. They're, they're, <laughs> red, rednecks are can occasionally they're occasionally be like transformers. They are in fact in disguise, my friend. Uh, I, I hate to sort of cut things short here, but I got, I'm going to have to get back to this because we've got some people sort of calling about this situation. Here, I totally so. understand. I'm I, actually running out the door to San Diego. So when they got uh, everybody in the world covering the fire. You know what it is? I think the guys who are out there are just being worked to death, and they need some relief. Hey, tell, ask Roop if you see him. Apparently, Roop's pants caught on fire yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and I'm online right now shopping for fire gear, Fan- making sure I don't buy the stuff he bought. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Travel safe. Okay, see you. We'll talk to you soon. That's fantastic. All right. A little bit of humor among the grimness, my friend. Levity in the doom. All right. Uh, this is, I think this is, hey, Jim. Yes. Hi, Jim. So this is uh, Rick. You're on the air here. We talked to your son, Kelly, a while back. Right. Yeah, so, he just called. Yeah, so you are uh, where, if, if you don't mind saying this, about yeah, where I, is your is your business located? I have, a, I have a little work studio that's in the town storage building, and I'm on the fourth floor. Uh, our parking lot is directly underneath the Burnside Bridge. Okay. So our building is just, uh, uh, there's a, uh, so this where is, this Jetta was, uh, we're right next to that, so we're, we're we're just a few, probably thirty feet from the building. Okay, and so or from the bridge. What what is it that uh, that you were able to sort of uh, see? What is it? The, what? Well, uh, I was out. I'm going outside right now to be on the front here, and um, mostly everything is just blocked off. The only thing I noticed earlier was uh, I was out at my to my car, and uh, I noticed a, a woman out there collecting bottles. There's a lot of poor souls around here. Sure. And uh, uh, the thing that, that struck me unusual about her, she was barefoot. And she was walking over broken glass. And uh, I looked up a few minutes later, and she was gone. So I don't know if that happens to be the woman. I mean, anybody walking around barefoot on broken glass has got to be in a bad shape. Right. Oh, uh, they're yelling at me now. I'm walking out to the parking lot, and I'm not supposed to. Just, so is that the, is essentially, that the... uh, this is an area that has a lot of, uh, it's right on Produce Row. Right. Uh, you have the Salvation Army. You have a lot of truck traffic, a lot of people coming and going. And uh, so uh, things are just getting real congested. They've just brought everything pretty much just done. Okay. Is this, are they kind of uh, shooing you back I'm inside? I'm out in front of my building right now, and they're telling me to, to walk Walk now, this way. Now, from from where you were, did you see the woman holding uh, the gun, or is this a thing no, that you just kind of no, heard them I, discussing? I, no, I really can't see anything. What's going on? And what uh, what I've been told is that she's on the on the north side of the bridge. On the on the north side of the bridge. Correct. So yes. it would be up. Uh, we're on Ankeny, if anybody knows the street. Sure. And so she's up on, uh, I believe it's Cooch. So this yeah. is. All right, okay, I'm, I'm being asked to talk to a police officer right now. Okay, well, hold on. And then I'm on a telephone. Uh, in the building here. All right, so we're talking to uh, Jim, who's there oh, okay. uh, near Grand and Burnside, where there's apparently okay. some woman with a gun to her head. Yeah, okay. All right. I'll do that. All right, are were they... you able to hear that, Rick? No, I wasn't. What, would the, what did the officer say to you? Oh, he told me to go back in the building and stay inside. There's yeah. a suicidal woman with a gun. So. 
Oh, well, okay. Well, that that yep. pretty much answers. That does sort of the, that clarifies the, the, the issue, I suppose. Uh, yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, my uh, my uh, work area is on the other side of the building. So about how many? Yeah. How many? What kind of the police presence is in there? Is it just a ton of cop cars? Who what? Who all is out, yeah, out there? Yeah, there's. I see four or five up the street, and uh, you know, uh, vests and SWAT uniforms, and most of the action is up on. Uh, on MLK. Can you see uh, for how far off the streets are blocked in whatever direction? Does it just uh, does it seem like they've blocked off a, a big perimeter? It, well, it's, um, you know, we're sort of locked in rather than locked out, so it's hard to tell. We're on that the is, inside. That's true. So you probably not only can't go any closer, you probably can't even get out of that area if you wanted to. You're probably just... Uh, no, he, uh, he wouldn't even let me stand outside the building. Held in your building for now. All right. Uh, all right. So, well, uh, well, Jim, I'm gonna, I'll let you kind of get back to, uh, I don't know, standing, yeah, standing there, I guess. If it dulls down, I think I'll climb out on my fire escape and stand on the railing and pretend to be another suicide victim. So. Well, that, that apparently is the way to get attention today. So um, I'll tell you what, uh, Jim. Do you have? I'm sorry, that's sick humor. No, no, no. This is this is the right Portland weird. Yeah, this is the right this is the right place for that. Um, Jim, I'm gonna. Uh, do you have our phone number here? Yeah. Okay, so I'll tell you what. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna put you on hold. If you don't mind, I'm gonna have uh, Chris Scott, who is our call screener today, uh, just uh, kind of uh, get your number just so we can get a hold of you if something kind of goes down. And uh, stay safe, and uh, we might check with you later, my friend. Okay. Thank you, sir. There you go. That's Jim, Chris. If you want to just sort of thank you. Well, there you go. Um, so I'm try This is where it would be really nice if my computer was not from like 1972, so I could see the Google Maps uh, the page because I can't even see that area. Because my you don't know what he's talking about. I'm trying to picture because I always get... It's, it's right over the Burnside Skate Park. It's like right where um, there are all those car dealerships and stuff, and then you, you know, you're going over the Burnside Bridge, and you look to the left, and there's a big brick building that this jack they used to be in. And it's... it's there was a record store there until recently. There no, it's was the big, it's it's the big like loft space. Like if you're if you're going over the Burnside Bridge heading west and you look up there, like all those big windows and stuff. It's where Greg that I used to work with had his office. Okay, all right. It's a lot of art studios and stuff. You'd totally recognize. That. I mean, I know the area. The problem is, I always get. There's streets in that area that I always get confused, like MLK and Grand. I always, when I try to picture them in my head, MLK and Grand, I'm always flopping them around. I'm always picturing one thinking it's the other. Yeah, because I believe... MLK is the one that goes toward Lloyd Center, and Grand is the one that goes the other way, right? MLK, uh, Grand is the one that goes uh, uh, south. Grand goes north. Does it? Mm -hmm. Okay, see, so I don't even... Yes, yeah, so if you're heading, look, like if you're heading to the um, Hawthorne Bridge and you take a right onto Grand... You know, you're heading ah, north. Okay, all right. So, so I believe it's probably on the corner of, like, Grand and... So when he said Burnside. she was on the north end of the bridge, he is talking about... He's talking about she's on the other side on of Burnside. On the other side so of on Burnside. Cooch. Okay, so, I, yeah, I do know exactly where that is. Because you're right, there's that, there is that big car lot right there. Mm -hmm. And it's right by the turnoff to 84, right? There's, like, an 84 uh, ramp. In, in that area. So oh, MLK is close between East Burnside and I-84. In fact, I know exactly where that is. And you know why? Because that intersection is where the Bigger Than Jesus rehearsal studio was. The um, that the Ihor two where you came to our yep. rehearsal studio, it's right there. Yep, and it's just yeah, up to few blocks closer to the bridge. Because we were on we weren't on Cooch, but I think we were on the next street, which I think is Davis. Uh, but it was uh, it was right there. So okay, yeah, I do know that area. So I guess, so I guess she's just uh, standing there with a gun, 
uh, demanding that we all pay attention to her until she inevitably surrenders. So uh, there you go. Or until she charges at the cops, which she's probably not, in my assessment, which she's probably not going to do at this point, because if you, those people who want to commit suicide by cop, they don't ever wait. No. They always just kind of get right. They, you know, they have a work ethic. They get right to business. And so either she's people... going to have to go down. <laughs> Is that where you're? Is that where you're placing? Is that where you're rooting for today? Yeah. Okay. Tim is placing. Would we like to start placing bets now on how it's going to end? Anyone? I think she's not going to do it. No, no, no. She'll she'll be taken into custody. They, and they then should my... shoot some beanbags at her or something. Oh. And then tase her. I was just going to say we should start. Should... We should get down there and begin rooting for a tasing. I wonder if we could get close well, enough to Mom, root for a taser. This is a person's actual life. I know taser her. She is a person. Of, uh, the person's actual life. She's, she's a person. person she is a person waving a gun at people who just want to get out of bed and get through that's their day true. and that get home. That's confined to his workspace well, right that now. That guy's in his workspace because she's pointing a gun around, which may or may not be loaded, which she might or might not fire. Which I mean, I don't mean to sound hard-hearted, but f her. She's waving a gun around a bunch of people who just want to get home in one piece at the yeah. end of the day. And I mean, you know, I. I mean, I don't mean to sound like Captain America or anything, but, you know, this is, you know the cops have a bad enough day just, you know, you're pulling over everybody who's speeding and wondering and what they're going to they find in the trunk. they the Burnside car. Bridge this week? Serious. Uh, she, <laughs> who does she think she is? impacting traffic. There are people. Just, this is like that idiot woman who, uh, was it in Seattle? That woman who sat there uh, at that bridge in oh, Seattle yeah. was thinking about, you know, and pondering like, whether to jump for like nine hours. Don't ponder, do it. And they had to... They had to close that bridge in Seattle because uh, the woman said, I don't know, I'm going to jump, but maybe, I don't know, let me consult the I Ching. And she was sitting there, like, rolling the bones, trying to decide whether to toss herself into the uh, into the water. And, you know, in the meantime, no one can get to work, and, uh, you know, I can't get the vending machine at work filled. So, I mean, I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but, I mean, really, let's... It's going to move on. Mm-hmm. I mean, really? And if you're, am I the only one who feels this way? And I know that I'm no. not. And I'm not, ad, I'm not advocating that they do this, I guess, although it would be satisfying. But, I mean, really, seriously, when someone starts saying, you know, I want to kill myself, don't you just wish the cops would just immediately just open it up right then? You know what I mean? Just Let's just skip to the bottom of the page. Can we please just zero this equation out? Good God almighty. Um... So, Tim, let's clarify where this is for people so they don't go driving into this traffic. Okay, this is Northeast MLK. It is closed between East Burnside and I-84. All right. So, Northeast MLK um, between Burnside and what? I-84. Okay. Burnside and 84. Closed. Burnside and 84. So, if you're trying to get to the mall to buy yourself, like, a Scarface touch lamp, uh, you might want to... uh, you might want to wait. Um, Rick, this says, uh, I work on 2nd Avenue, and the police aren't letting people go. No- and if you are in that area, by the way, uh, let us know kind of the deal, because it's, it's hard for anybody to get uh, to get close enough to see anything. Rick, I work on 2nd Avenue, and the police aren't letting people go north of Burnside. I was out having a cigarette, and the police cleared out the Burnside Skate Park. Uh, I'm unable to see anything, but the streets are blocked off uh, up to Cooch, says, uh, says this email. Uh, let's see. We've got another guy here who says, um, Rick, heard on police scanner just now, quote, she is playing with her phone again. Okay. Maybe it's not a gun. Maybe it's a phone. I'm guessing it's probably a gun. I don't think you'd mistake a gun for a... I mean, you know, in the old Motorola brick days, you might have mistaken a phone for a gun. Uh-huh. But it seems pretty likely that a cop can tell a gun from a cell phone. Uh, you know, or maybe not. I don't know. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, Rick, um... 
By the way, this email says, Behold the glory of us. Rick, I've been checking local television sites and media centers. Nothing. Only 970 has live coverage of this local event. That is true, sir. Um, Rick, well, most I want... things are automated these days. Rick, I want to say thanks to everybody for not only entertaining the masses, but keeping the cubicle bound informed. It's what we do, sir. Yeah, I'm sure that they'll voice track some coverage of this on the other stations mm-hmm. later. Uh, okay. Again, we're getting uh, constant updates from some people monitoring the police frequencies. Um... Let's see, uh, apparently just heard on the police scanner uh, about this woman who is holding a gun to her head on uh, Northeast MLK at around Burnside. Uh, we have to block her way to the highway. I'm sorry. It's I'm her gonna, way or the highway? I was just going to say, I was trying to do a Judas Priest there. She's got nothing to lose at all. I'm sorry. Uh, we have to block her way to the highway. The cert will have an eye on her. That is the special something response team, special enchilada. Encomium? Yeah. Ebity Uh The something response team will have an eye on her. All right. Don't they have... Like, let me ask you this. And when I say you, I don't mean anybody here in the, in the room. I, I mean uh, you all out there, the people. Now, don't the, the Portland police have non-lethal weapons? Yeah, tasers. Microphone totally off. Oh, not even. <laughs> can't be heard at all. Um, but, I mean, not just tasers. Don't we they have, like... Tasers. But, but, well, I, we, who doesn't love a taser? Uh, but, I mean... I'm just asking about the taser. I barely knew her. I'm asking about, like, the bean bags or the, uh, you know, like that foam they spray you with in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. I if like... somebody out there knows it, like, I know we got a lot of cops who listen to the show. Maybe they can't. If they're on the clock right now, they can't really re- respond to us. But, I mean, I really would be curious. I thought that's why they created that kind of stuff. Wayne, in fact, I know, wasn't it here where they shot a bunch of those jag-offs with uh, rubber bullets? Wasn't it? <clears throat> wasn't it here where they shot a bunch of those protesters with rubber bullets recently? A bunch of those, maybe a bunch of those critical mass dicks who were blocking the bridge, uh-huh. and they, uh, they they just took rubber bullets to the lot of them. Uh-huh. All right. Um, okay. According to the police scanner, the regular police officers are being relieved uh, by the cert team. The woman apparently is quote looking to the south. There's a feeling she gets when she looks to the south. Um, she dreams of Tigard. <laughs> She's trying to enjoy better days. <laughs> Uh, remembering with fond reminiscence her job at the Winco. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of which, I'll get to that Winco letter uh, later on. That uh, somebody sent us a great email about the Tigered Winco. Um, all right. So, I, oh, this somebody has clarified by the way that the Burnside Bridge um, is, you'll forgive the pun, the dead center of Portland, uh, and it, it, it does divide north and south. The river divides east and west. Uh, so yeah, it absolutely is in the very heart. So if so. If they are blocking, if she is at Northeast MLK, again, there's, if, you're just, if you're just joining us, there is a woman with a gun to her head. And you know when I say that, everybody gets she's kind of excited. She's looking to the cell. She's looking for trouble is what she's looking for. Um, there's a woman with a gun to her head in her left hand for detail. Uh, you know, if you're playing like the fantasy suicide league at home. Uh, she's got a gun in her left hand, Northeast MLK. And about Burnside, and it's blocked off all the way to 84th. So, okay, so she's like wandering around underneath there, because when I did SantaCon last year, one of the meeting points was at the Burnside Skate Park. And there are a lot of, um, there are like many directions you can go when you get under the Burnside Bridge. And you can go across, like completely underneath it, you can head toward Disjecta, or there are like back roads right, you know, to the north of the Burnside Bridge that she could be wandering around as well. And so my question is also, now would also the gateway to Sandy Boulevard. <laughs> gateway to doom uh my question would be doesn't that mean that they have a bunch of things blocked off on this side of the river too because they obviously can't let people 
Is the Burnside Bridge even open on this side? I can never remember what. Yeah, the From Burnside day Bridge day, open. I never know what's up with the Burnside Bridge. So it was open today? Also, Lloyd Boulevard is closed at the intersections of Grand and MLK. You will have to buy your low-priced consumer goods elsewhere. You won't be able to take any surveys right you now. You will not be able to go to the Cajun Grill today. Yeah, uh, I don't think that they'd close the... Um, well, I don't know. Well, they have to be closing be on it foot. on... They have, but they have to be closing it on this side because they can't let cars just be coming off. That's true. In other words, you know, if you try, to, if you get on the Burnside Bridge here, and you get the Burnside Bridge doesn't raise, does it? Yes. Does it? Mm-hmm. Okay. They all raise. So maybe, so they should it's just. It's the big ra- one that. The... So if they, uh, I guess it doesn't really matter. I guess they'd have to block it off regardless, because if people start getting on the Burnside Bridge over here on the east, uh, or rather on the uh, uh, on the west side, and they get on the Burnside Bridge, they can't get off the Burnside Bridge once they get once they get to the east side, because they'll get off into a closed area. You know, it effectively is a dead end at this point because they've got it all closed over there. So that means it's probably, thanks, whoever you are with the gun in your, thanks, lady with a gun. And now you're effing everybody in downtown, too, because that's just going to increase the congested load on, uh, you know, on all the other bridges over here. All right, so a woman, God bless you, Tracy, has just sent me a uh, a photo of that area. She just sent me a, a map because my Google Maps program doesn't really work. All right, so she has sent me the, uh, let's see, here we go, so Burnside and... Yeah, so I'm looking at that right here. So this is Burnside. Oh, this is gripping for everybody. Um, yeah, so it, it, yeah, it, it is the area I was thinking of. All right. Okay. Uh, all right, it's 503-733-2970. In a moment here, we'll have to break, and then we'll come back with more. Um, oh, wait. Here here we go. Who wants? Now, she's she's not dead, and no one has done anything to her yet, but this interesting factoid we do have a man who is listening in on the police scanner, and uh, some listeners are, are eavesdropping on that, and they are relaying the information along. Guess what fun fact was just revealed about her? I should make people wait. She beat herself. No. How great would that be? That'll uh, come later. That'll come after uh, That'll come after she's been ventilating. That sucks. So Brad just wrote me, and he said they evacuated the building by the skate park. They were filming um, the movie there. Jennifer Aniston's uh-huh. movie? And they had to they had to leave it. Maybe she was Ooh. unhappy with craft services. Maybe she was denied a speaking part. I was told that I would be a prominently featured extra. That's it. I'll kill everybody. All right. Um, apparently, the woman whose name they have not released, although if we if we, if we hear it on the police scanner, um, but we've got this. She has a denied a denied concealed handgun license out of Washington County. Ah, Washington County represent. Way well, to there's go. all kinds of bad news out of Washington County today. We'll, we'll, well get to it. Well, first off, it's Washington County. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, okay, so that's the list. So, apparently she has... Well, apparently the, the denied concealed handgun license is sort of irrelevant because she's not needing to conceal it. Well, she left Washington she's, County. She's now in Multnomah County. <laughs> Maybe she's just coming to apply here rather she's forcefully. She's crying out for help from, uh-huh. from Washington County. She's crying out for help and also to be shot. Uh, it's only a matter of time. I have really... Well, something's got to be done. Uh, you know, Tuesday is trash day. I would just like to remind that to any uh, law enforcement officers who may be listening. What happens on Tuesday? Trash taken. Where? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi, sir. Hello. Hey, is this you? Uh, well, this is Jim. Hi, Jim. Oh, is this uh, Jim Kelly's again? Father again. I, yeah. I'm sorry. What's uh, up? It's a little noisy up here. We decided to come up on the roof and see what we could see. Yes, sir. And uh, so we're up on the, the top floor of a five-story building looking out over um, uh, 
the Russian pub there on the corner by the Union sure. Arms. Absolutely. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, intersection of Cooch and uh, and uh, MLK. Excellent. Okay. So from, from and, where you are, what can you see, sir? Uh, pretty much everything's just jammed up. It's uh, uh, there's uh, uh, cops all over the place. Doesn't look like anything's happening. I probably should have looked a little bit longer before I called you. But uh, no, 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 that's okay. Um, um, anyway, uh, uh, it just uh, looks like everything's at a standoff. They're letting people on the Burnside Bridge go back and forth. Um, somebody had said uh, that that she was on the Burnside Bridge, so uh, that's why we came up here. But it looks like she's she's just up past the, the the Union Arms area there. So apparently we're now hearing that she's on, well, it says MLK and Graham, but that doesn't make any sense because they're parallel to each other. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, well, it's, um, it, it's, it's uh, Cooch and MLK is where everything seems to be stopped, and I can't see much uh, beyond that. Can you see uh, a? Can you see if there's an armored vehicle there? Uh, well, there's uh, what I thought at first was a motorhome. Uh, you know, what's con- what confused me is that you know the MLK and Grant are one-way street. Sure. And everything's facing the wrong way right now. So every car that's on MLK is facing north. The, uh, the so, that- uh, so, uh, so the big blue and white motorhome, I think, is, uh, plus there's a, a black, looks like an armored vehicle next to it. And so, and then the- all, all kinds of unmarked police cars. And this, uh, this, the, the, the motorhome is that sort of mobile command post at the, ne- right. I, I, I know all this, by the way, from seeing the negotiator with Kevin Spacey and Samuel Jackson. <laughs> That's, but I think that's the, like the mobile command post for the negotiator guys. Yeah. Okay. That's. This that's also means it. this also means that Paul Giamatti is bound and gagged in an office somewhere in, in Portland. Uh, I'm sorry, you couldn't hear that. Nothing. Go ahead. Um. So, and so does it. So, did you say it does look like they are letting people go back and forth across the bridge? Right. The bridge itself is open. Uh, there's uh, patrol cars on the bridge that are stopped, but they're just kind of pacing up and so, down, looking. Looking so, down on uh, on Third Avenue. So let me ask you this. Oh oh oh, we have a report. We have an update here. It looks okay. like it looks like. Hold on just a second. Let me go around the room. This we may have a resolution. I who want a taser. Who wants to guess what it is, Sarah? Taser. What do you think that the resolution was? Uh, she got distracted by somebody, and someone ran behind her and took her gun. Tim, tasing. Chris, do you have a a guess as to what the uh, what the resolution of the situation was? We'll ask uh, Chris if he wants to type on the screen his uh, his guess for the for the resolution of this situation. Old fashioned beating. Now apparently they'll do that in front of cameras. She's, they'll do that later with Sipowitz. Yeah. Apparently she is surrendering at this time. Well, that's an anticlimactic. I heard somebody screaming, "Please don't tase me, dude." <laughs> well done. Um, hey, so if people were coming across the bridge. What did they do when they got to the east side? Did they have to go straight? They couldn't turn. Uh, they're, they're going right up uh, Burnside, uh, east Burnside. So the whole intersection, okay. uh, what they've done, I think, just to avoid too much congestion, is they've uh, they've blocked off MLK, uh, but uh, Burnside itself is clear to go uh, uh, east and uh, east and west. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what. We're going to keep you on hold for a couple. I'm going to put you kind of back in the box if you can hang on for a second, okay? Okay. We're going to keep you on hold for a few. I'm going to read a few of these. One is okay. We've got a report on the police scanner. This woman who had a gun to her head at the east end of the Birdside Bridge says, "Going 10:51 with the female now." What is what does that mean? Downtown, probably. Does anybody? Uh, so, did you get the female from Aaron? I did. We got an email that says, "Rick, 
I think it's clear who the gun-wielding suicidal woman from Washington County is. Low on funds, slack her husband, millions in debt. She is Mrs. J. Take cover, Rick Emerson, and Godspeed. Um, so she, they're going 1051 with the woman. Let's Google it. Um, yeah, would you please? Okay, and apparently she is in custody. So it does. Great. Chris has identified the woman as a wuss. <laughs> um, the uh, so apparently she is in custody. Uh, let's look. Yeah, well, let's Google police code 1051 and see. What Shooting. Uh oh. Uh oh. That's not good. Well, I guess it's easier to put her in custody. Code 1051. Code 1051. Shooting. 1056 disturbance. 1057 mental. Well, okay. So 1051 just means what there wasn't a shooting from what we heard. Mm, maybe we, we haven't heard everything. Have we not heard the whole story? No. Man, I wish we could have gotten down there with some sort of a, a mobile tasing billboard. You know what I mean? Like some sort of a, you know, if you do not tase, we will not something. Um, uh, okay, so a special police emergency. K2 on the, on the case as always. Hey, apparently there's something going on on East Burnside uh, around 84, just in case you were curious about that. Hmm. Uh, all right, so we are looking here. We've got a uh, lady with a gun to her head updates. Let's see. This email says, Rick, uh, I can't really see what happened, and I can't uh, fulfill my need. The rubber neck, but my boss is pissed off about this jamming up our business. Um, my boss was about to get a bullhorn and begin demanding that she just do it. He was, al he was also thinking of yelling, no wonder your husband left you. Um, let's see. He says, Rick, if, uh, you know, I hope she gets help, but if you're going to pull this kind of crap, do it quickly or go out to Gresham where police are used to this, used to suicidal people who hate their lot in life. Mm -hmm. um, so at 1051, apparently it should be a 1061. So I'm wondering if the guy, if they either missed it or maybe the man misheard it, because it looks like it must be a 1061. 1061 means in custody. Somebody from the city has clarified this for me now. 1051 is a shooting, and we don't have a report of any shots fired there. 1061 is in custody, which disappointingly she may be have taken with, you know, she may have been taken without any injury uh, to her at all. So uh, no idea what that was. All right, I'm going to go back to Jim here Thank for a second. Hear. Hey, Jim. Hey Jim. Yeah. Hey. Um. So, uh, from where you are seeing, does it, from where you're. I'm watching. I'm watching the police. Their posture's changing. Uh, they're looking a little more relaxed. Uh, uh, a few guys patting each other on the back, taking off their armored vests. Tonight it's a Michelin. Passing night. out looks like donuts. I can't tell from here. Here's to you oh, tasing a crazy lady with a gun, guy. Yeah. All uh, right. Uh, all right, so well, sir. I'm gonna. I, uh, I'm gonna sign off. Yeah. I can't see much more going on. All right. Thank you so, for all your help and you thank bet. you. Thank you, your son as well. There you go. All right. Uh, that's Jim. Are you kidding me? So now I'm looking at this other call. Are you really? Are you serious about this? Okay. Um. Well, is he sure? What could make this day even more interesting? Um, why, hello, sir. How are you? Hi, I'm Mark. I, I was calling because I, I heard you're looking for jumpers today, so we're really, I, have one, I have one for you. We're really not looking for jumpers. No. Now, what is it? What, what have you? Uh, what have you? What is it on the screen here? It says something Hillsborough. Yeah, we're working in downtown Hillsborough. I came back from break and I looked up on the, the south side of the big garage here they have for their civic center. Uh huh. And he was on the. There's a guy on the outside of the gate or outside of the fence. It's on the top floor. And they're talking to negotiators. There was like uh, firemen below them and then on the ground. And then I walked on by and said, up oh, snow day in Hillsboro. But I walked on by, went back to work, and kind of watched from the windows where I was working. And evidently, all the, you know, all the cops started coming and going. And, and evidently, he did jump. 
What are, and, uh, well, hold on. So let's back up here. So this sure. is about where in Hillsboro today? It's first, South First and Washington. And so you were going to. Is there something in the water today? Uh, so I don't know. You were, I had to call. You were going, and thank you for knowing the station to call with all your suicidal news. <laughs> I've, I've listened to you since day one. God bless you, sir. So, and so you saw a guy perched on a building, and the cops were talking to him. Yeah, I think the negotiator guy was talking. And to then him. you came back later, and he no, wasn't. No, I, I was where I work. I can still see the garage from the north side, and the, the activity when you know he jumped. Evidently, cops started going everywhere, and then the ambulance came, light flight came, picked him up and took him away, so um, I kind of just didn't see him jump, but I saw the evidence that he had jumped by the activity of the police. Uh, okay, and so you uh, you did not see him being taken away, you just saw the life flight? I didn't know, the life flight landed right in front of the Civic Center on First Street, landed right in the middle okay. of the street. All right, uh, and so did, and I, you may have already said this once, so I, I apologize. Did you know, what was, what was the actual building he was on? It was the um, parking structure. It's a six-story parking structure of Washington and First. Washington and, and First and Hillsboro. It's full of cars, all the, you know, for downtown Hillsboro. Washington First and Hillsboro. Yeah. All right. And so he, he, he jumped off the uh, south side, and the helicopter, the life flight, landed on the north side on First Street. And that was um, it's a six-story building. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, parking center. Parking you know, garage. you need at least ten stories to be fatal. You think people would know this well, kind of stuff? Well, yeah, he landed some trees too. So I think it broke his fall. So he wasn't, you know, he was kind of beat up, but he, they, you know, he was alive when he flew to, out of here. You have to jump five or six times, probably. At least. Uh, so the uh, and so did they have? I always wonder this actually. When a guy is getting getting ready to jump from something, did they have like one of those big like fireman like trampoline things at the bottom they were holding for him, or is it just like? No, they they didn't. There was the guys on the floor below him, like I mean, fire department down. They're looking like they're going to get a harness on or something, but nothing they could catch them in. The trees were in the way, and they hadn't set up stuff for it. So they simply have that. I thought they were going to do something like that, but they didn't. All right. Well, we'll uh, I'm going to see if we can confirm that. I mean, not that not that I suspect you're fabricating yeah. it. Obviously, you're not. But I'm, I'm no. curious to see if we can get any sort of official version of, of what happened there. So, yeah, so let me understand this. So we had a guy run over by a garbage truck yesterday, a woman holding a gun to her head this morning, and about, what, an hour ago? About 10 o'clock. About 10 o'clock, a guy jumping off a building in Hillsboro. And it's just now noon. So, all right. Excellent. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate hey, it. Thank, thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. There's okay. Mark. So my friend Jay, who works in the area, just wrote to me, and he said that he talked to a cop, and the cop told him that she's on around 3rd and Davis, and she has a rifle. She did have a rifle. Really? If, she was, if she's taken into custody. And she apparently has plasticine arms if she was holding it to her head. It, it, it doesn't... All right. Let's see here. Um... Uh, uh, this should go without saying. The bus has been rerouted. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Um, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi there. Hey, uh, cruising around here in the area trying to see if I can get set up. Uh, things I have seen so far is uh, it might be true that they got her in custody because I saw one SWAT van where it looked like they were loading back up into it. Uh-huh. Uh, ABC is just now setting up a camera. <laughs> on the scene as always. Uh, basically, all they had was like a tripod set up. Well done. Uh, I'm pretty much north of the perimeter of the convention center right now, and I'm trying to see if I can get set up to where I can actually see something. All right. Um, so it it... Was, and it was definitely underneath the bridge because traffic was still flowing across the top. All right. Uh, you can get up Grand. You cannot get down to MLK at the moment. Um, I'm pretty much too far north to see anything else right now. So, so this is clearly still an area that people need to be avoiding traffic-wise. Traffic-wise, definitely. Yeah, there's people basically packed up on MLK in front of the convention center right now, I noticed. Okay. Uh, and then, so it did look to you like they're sort of standing down. 
Yeah, it did. Um, and they, the, the cops on the perimeter really don't look like they're paying a whole lot of attention to the perimeter. They're still kind of looking inward and kind of BSing a bit. Okay. Uh, I think I see a news chopper now coming in uh, down the river. <laughs> Just in time to film the place where action once happened. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Okay. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, let me know if you see anything else, my friend. Thank you. Will do. All right. Okay. Now, we've got a really disturbing detail about this jumper in Hillsborough. Jumper. Uh, the, so this is, and again, we don't have any way to... God, this is another one of those, these happens like once a year. Oh my God, it's right around the same time, too. All we need is for Brittany to do something crazy-er today. It's uh, always this, maybe this is the most depressing time in Portland. Yes. Uncork a bunch of guys emailing me about the full moon right now. Well, we had like five in, entire days of rain. That is true. Maybe this is all seasonal affective disorder, Tim. Mm -hmm. But the past couple of days have been beautiful. Maybe, you know, maybe Eli Lilly just does all of this to push Prozac on people. Maybe they just plant some jumpers everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. If only they had an SSRI flowing through their system. All right, so uh, we had Mark earlier, and I don't even know who we call about that. Who do we call to confirm that a guy jumped off a building in Hillsboro? Probably the police department. Do they comment on that? I mean, the media doesn't, except for us, and we're not really the media anyway. We're just hacks. Uh, so, Maybe anyway, our, uh, I have now this soul. disturbing fact about the guy who jumped off the Hillsborough parking garage today. And again, we have no way of knowing if this is true, but based upon everything we've heard so far, it does look like a guy did jump off the Hillsborough parking garage. Uh, Rick, and this is from someone who does not identify themselves. Rick, FYI, earlier today, a guy... Can't blame him for trying, and I don't really understand. Let me just say this before I oh, okay. before I make this observation with the guy who jumped off the garage in Hillsboro. A few more classes in physics might have helped him a little bit. Um, his grasp of the Newtonian seems kind of tenuous. Earlier today, a guy tied weights to his legs and then jumped off the top of the parking garage in downtown Hillsboro. A, oh. a, tying weights to your legs makes it hard to jump. B, you know, it's not going to increase, the, I mean... Were you just afraid that once you hit the ground, they'd lift you or something? He was presumably jumping onto concrete, not like into the sound. So maybe he was just like one of those old mall walking people with like ankle weights, you know, for extra calorie burn. So according to an emailer, I don't know how he would know this, but it seems like a strange detail to fabricate. So I'm suspecting it's real. Uh, the guy says earlier today, a guy tied weights to his legs and jumped off the top of the parking garage in downtown Hillsboro. I, I don't know whether that's true or not. Um, all right, hold on. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Why? Hello there. Hi. Hi, how's it going? What's up, sir? Um, I don't know if you remember me, but you were on the actually a different station at the time. About six, six and a half years ago, um, you actually saved my life. Uh, I was a drunk driver down in California on uh, I-5, and you found a way to get me pulled over. I don't know if you remember that at all. Well, we get we get so many unhinged listeners, they do all kind of blur together uh, after a while. So what was it? You were drunk driving, and then you had called the program? Yeah, I had called the program. You, uh, from what my family told me, um, I was a little out of it. Uh, you stayed on for about... 40 minutes with me trying to get me pulled over because I was swerving everywhere. Well, that is entirely possible. Where where were you living at the time? Uh, in California. Um, I was in Fresno. Yeah, well, that would, okay, well, we were on in Fresno, so that, that would make sense. Um, okay. All right, and, and so what, what did I, 
So, I've, so little, so bad is the recall of my own program. Uh, and so, what did you do? Did you pull over? Well, I I got pulled over. Well, hooray for me. I, I, yeah. um, there was a lady officer that pulled me over, and I remember handing the phone to her, and you talked to her, I guess. I don't know what you guys talked about. Probably. At, at the time, I had a warrant out for my arrest, uh-huh. so... Yeah, I went to jail. I do sort of, I do sort of vaguely remember this here on KCMD Portland. I do sort of vaguely remember this conversation. Please don't take offense at that. It's just six years ago, and I do, you know, uh, whatever, five times, two hundred and fifty shows a year. So I, I apologize for not really remembering this more clearly. That does, and 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 to be honest, that has happened a couple times since I've been doing radio. That I'll get, you know, some guy call up who's at the wheel, and it actually happened to Don and Mike a few months ago, where a guy called up and one too many and was out there driving. So. um well, I'm glad. Well, I'm glad uh, you know that uh, that you didn't hurt yourself. I'm glad things worked out well for you. I'm four years sober and I'm doing great. Um, went to jail for a few years and now I'm better. I actually didn't know you were back on the air until I came around Portland and was just kind of surfing through the channels and because you, I believe at the time you're, oh, I can't remember what station you were on. But well, 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 Ed, is, well. We're glad. I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you're safe and sound. If it makes you feel better, you could just cut me a check of some kind. <laughs> I think I got about ten dollars in my name right uh, now. Well, let's. You know. Well, you'll fit right in. Uh, well, I'm glad everything worked out well. And stay in touch, my friend. I'm, uh, it, it is. I do have sort of a recollection of that. But uh, you know. So I mean, we kind of need all the listeners we have. So uh, so I'm glad that you ended up not pasting yourself into a wall or anything. Yeah, all right. Oh my. Thank you, my right, friend. Best show ever. Thank you. I appreciate it. There you go. Drive safely, I guess. It should go without saying. And yeah, we're working on getting that Hillsborough story confirmed. Okay. I kind of do remember that, actually. Um, I didn't remember it because it's happened to me a couple times. Have you ever had that where the guy calls up and he's driving drunk? No, I've had people about ready to go back to prison. Really? Like they were on Cops the way? banging on the door. Really? Yeah, and they wanted to hear, like... You know, Garth Brooks before they... You know what, we'll just go another five minutes, Sarah, and then we'll catch up. We'll we'll merge those. Um, We might as well just just finish up this segment. Um, There's a couple things that you always hear about, not to diminish that guy or his story, but there's a couple things that, if you work in radio long enough, I think will happen to you. One is you get the drunk driving guy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't... That's happened to me, I think, three times in the, whatever, 20 years I've been doing this. Um... I didn't really remember that guy's particular story until he mentioned talking to the female cop, which I do remember. I do remember talking about it, you know, and describing where he was, what he was doing, and a cop pulled him over. And I do remember a woman coming up and taking the phone. I remember that. And I I do remember that, actually. So, well, anyway. And then he went to jail. So I have a little bit of a mixed emotion about that. Glad glad I can send you to jail, I guess, if it was a better thing for you. Uh, There's that. And then you'll, you know, we had... uh, you know, we had the guy that called up who was uh, talking about the, I don't know, tossing himself into, you know, under a bus or something um, last year. That guy uh, who, you know, who, who we, you know, put in touch with somebody that I think got him, uh, you know, got him some help. We had that. Uh, I don't think I've ever had a guy who's getting ready to go to prison. I've had a call from prison. Uh-huh. Uh, when I lived in Utah, uh, we had uh, a small, deeply disturbed following at the point of the mountain, which is the state prison there. So we had a call from prison. Um, you had a guy call you because he was on his way to jail? Yeah. Well, how would so? What you'd answer the phone? Hello, okay, hey. Now, uh, would you play uh, "Friends in Low Places" by Garth Brooks? I, I'm a big fan of yours. I, I just got out and I'm going back, and the cops are on their way, and I hear the bang on the door. Fantastic. The he never got. I played it, but I think he was gone by then. Really? Yeah. That is wonderful. Oh, by the way, 10:51 means drunk. 10:51 is drunk. 10:61 is in custody. So she's drunk with a gun, now under arrest. 
Um, I never had that. I, I wasn't, uh, this wasn't to me, but this is to a woman I worked with named Trish in Salt Lake City. She had a guy call while he was robbing a bank. Oh. And I swear to you, this sounds like a bad, my name is Earl kind of joke. She was doing the midday show at the Classic Rock Station. The guy called while robbing a bank. And, and he, had the, he made them turn the radio to Z93, which is the station. He called with a gun while robbing a bank. And I apologize for the syntax there. And he demanded that she play Freebird. I swear to you, and it sounds like such a bad joke, but he demanded to hear Freebird while he was robbing the bank. I think that actually uh, made it onto an episode of America's whatever greatest something or others. Oh, so the first call for this uh, crazy woman with a gun went out uh, shortly after 10.30 this morning after receiving a report of a woman holding her gun to her head at Northeast 3rd and Northeast Cooch. Let's see. Uh, Rick, and here we go back on the guy who jumped off the building in Hillsborough. We're working to confirm that. This guy says the jumper wasn't so dumb. He realized you need at least 10 stories for a successful suicide. He was using attention, you know. Who says science isn't useful? He tried to compensate with leg weights to increase his feet per second as sent to the pavement. Interesting. I don't know if that would really work, though. Well, I mean, he lived, so it couldn't have worked that well. Uh, you'll forgive that observation. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hello, you. Look, I can hear you breathing. Just hang on. Okay. Three, two. All right. Bye now. All the right. woman was about uh, 40 years old, and she was sitting at the corner of Northeast 3rd Avenue in Davis when Pro they first found her. All right. And it, does it say what she was armed with? It does not. All right. Okay, who wants to take a break? I do. Uh, take a I break. I want to keep going. We <laughs> never end. come back. Hey, I do have a piece of good news, though, guys. Oh, we don't like that here. Pizza in the conference room. That doesn't count me. Tim's a vegan. Good news for you, Rick. Hooray! Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show continues next. Don't go anywhere. It is the Rick Emerson Show. Here is D. Snyder. You stay right there. all that can happen in that time period. 503-733, lots of tall buildings. 503-733-2970. Somebody has pointed out, by the way, that right where the woman went crazy with a gun today, like about 15 feet away, there's a detox center. Mm. Uh, the... So she was sitting on the curb at Northeast 3rd Avenue in Davis. So the David, about P, 40. the David P. Hooper Detoxification Center is right there. She might not have insurance, though. I mean, she can go to Canada. Uh, this email says, Rick, why are suiciders so lame? Why wait? Just jump head first. Uh, that's his advice, not mine, of course. I don't even know that's scientifically feasible. If you jump off, uh, well, never mind. Uh, yeah, so apparently yeah, 1051 means drunk, 1061 uh, means, custody, uh, means in custody. And this email says, Rick, you have uh, the best live suicide coverage ever. This is an Emmy Award-winning show. You should be proud of it, sir. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, let's now begin this 
the AM 970 Noon News Hour. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Salatov Olivas, late, has been arrested with a gun. We have no idea what kind of a gun it was. She was about 40 years old, made no threats to anyone. She was sitting at the curb at Northeast 3rd Avenue with Davis with a gun to her head. So they called in the uh, search team to freshen everyone's breath. <laughs> now with Retson and killing. And uh, it's all over and done with. Then we have all this stuff going on in Washington County. Not one, but several stories. Uh, we just been in touch with the Hillsborough Police, and they do confirm. About 7 o'clock this morning, they were called to that, uh, that uh, parking structure, which is at uh, First and Washington in Hillsborough. There was a 28-year-old man on the roof with medical problems. And apparently, they spent three hours talking him out of jumping off the building. Didn't do any good. He jumped off the building, but on the wrong side and ended up in the tree. Uh, let's talk to uh, Chris Scott, who's doing an able job of manning the phone today on a very crazy Tuesday. Hello, Chris Scott. How's it going? So, the, so what is it? The guy, and you were sort of in touch with the police about this, yeah. and we were sort yes. of Johnny on the spot, thanks to our caller earlier, because I guess they hadn't even issued the report yet. No, he was writing it at that moment. And so, what happened with that guy? So, what did the guy do? Well, apparently over the night he was uh, he he came into the hospital complaining of some medical problems okay. at like 1 a.m. Being crazy. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I was I was just trying to get broad strokes here right. from from the police, and uh, I guess eventually the guy just flipped out and just left and ended up at the tallest building in Hillsboro he could find. <laughs> what a sad! The tallest building in all of Hillsboro. And like uh, it wasn't Gaston, it would have been an old red barn or a chicken coop. <laughs> <laughs> jump off the silo. So he apparently climbed his way up to the top and uh, was up there at around 7 a.m. this morning, which is when the cops originally got called and ended up at the scene. And uh, he said that they were talking to him. They talked to him for over three hours. They you were giving have him a coffee. wonderful life ahead of you in Washington County. <laughs> There's so much to live for. And There's so much to live for. You'll be missed on the streets of tennis born. You'll be missed at the There's general store. There's a brand store. new Whole Foods opening up soon. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, uh, uh, apparently, after talking to him, the cops said that they were really hopeful they could they could get him down because if you talk to him for longer than you know, sure, three hours, they, they, have, they have a chance to get him down. I guess that's they the have deal. a checklist of topics for three hours. I kind of wonder about that actually. I wonder, like, is it sort of like a filibuster where at a certain point you just begin reading from the Betty Crocker home cookbook or something? <laughs> so they talked to him for three hours, and we'll give you a peacock if you come down now. <laughs> and apparently it didn't work because the guy decided to go and jump anyways. But he jumped off the wrong side of the building. Yeah. He jumped off the side with the trees instead of the other side, which apparently a seventy foot drop straight onto Max. That's tracks. poor planning. Yeah, really. So he could have messed up all kinds more traffic by over there by jumping onto the Max line. Okay. Because everyone's rushing to get to downtown Hillsboro. There's so many things there to see. <laughs> like getting out of downtown Hillsboro. I'm sorry, you I can't get to Hillsboro today. What? Uh, but he says that the dude's going to be fine. All right. Just yeah, greatly he... embarrassed. We should send him a taunting email in the hospital. Send him send him some sort of a card with a little loser. Not so funny now, is it? <laughs> Suicide boy. <laughs> uh, congratulations. Homer doesn't really thank you that Chris Scott, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Homer doesn't really make a card for that. On your failed suicide attempt. <laughs> On your inability to even end your own life. Jesus. All right. So there's that. Um, I am intrigued by the idea that he had weights on his legs, though, because usually, you know, with these idiots, it's just a cry for help. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
It's just a Obviously, whole lot. Of... It was a cry that nobody heard because the policeman didn't take out the IBM Selectric till about five minutes ago and <laughs> started writing this. So story. unimportant. It happened at seven a.m. Yeah. So unimportant. It was. You know, apparently there's some. Have you seen the extension cord <laughs> to the IBM? <laughs> Busy reporting a stolen well, bicycle from the Boy been... Scout Lodge. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. Somebody's stealing all the whorehound from the penny candy store. What are you doing over There's there? There's a spider on my copy. Really? Not that did you kill it or did you just brush it out of the floor? I brush it out of the floor. Oh, I thanks. let it live. Oh, thanks. So now I can crawl up my pant leg. And... It deserves to live. Just, just over here. Okay. I have another story from Hillsborough. Right. As a matter of like fact, I have a few. Gone all epileptic over there. Right. These stories that are going to be encouraging the residents of Hillsborough uh, to stay alive, to enjoy all the wonders of their town? I hope so. Okay. Well, I think we all uh, we, we all get the bad news that Bombay is going out of business. The country? No, the store. Bombay, India? I guess that would be a city. What is Bombay? Is Bombay it? Trading Company? Yeah, it's a nice furniture store. It's going out of business where? In Hillsborough. Well, at the streets of Tannisport. Well, now, see... Tannisborn. Let's talk about Tannisborn for a second. Is Tannisborn a city proper? No, it is a. It is the upscale part of Hillsboro. Mm, I'm sorry, I had something in my throat. Uh, it so has the Macy's. Is, is it a suburb of Hillsboro? No, it's an area of Hillsboro. Okay. What is a suburb? A suburb would be Hillsboro. But I mean, what is the legal? Uh, maybe we're talking about something that really, honestly, no one but like us and the city planning council cares about. But I really don't know what a suburb is. A suburb like an actual legal term, or is that just yes. a colloquialism? Yes, it's one of those too. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, so the Bombay Trading Company, which is sort of like a uh, what is it? It reminds me of another place. What is the place it reminds me of? I don't know. Am I thinking of Crate and Barrel? Kind of. Okay, it's kind yeah. of a Crate and Barrel. But anyway, it's going out of business. Yeah. Well, what can you do? Nothing. Nothing, Tim. There's other crime. Uh, westbound traffic on Highway 26 near Hillsborough was reduced to a single lane this morning after a three-vehicle rollover triggered by a driver going the wrong way. This happened at 923. Right before that woman, uh, right after the guy, no, right before the guy tried to commit suicide. After the guy tried to commit suicide, but before the woman put a gun to her head. Correct. These will be our benchmarks for the rest of the day if you are a latecomer to the program. Uh, it happened east of Jackson School Road, where the posted speed is 55 miles an hour. A driver and an actor are headed in the westbound lanes, the going posted, the wrong way. The posted speed on Jackson School Road is 55 miles an hour? Yeah. Apparently children are not, not really a natural resource, or they've just got too many of them. And that's why they're jumping up parking structures. <laughs> Yes. Go ahead. So uh, that's that. Okay. Somebody was going the wrong way. Well, let me just tell you this story, Tim Riley. Right. So remember how yesterday I told her my wife had come in and she, my wife had woken me up yesterday. Your wife? My wife, with whom I no longer have any problems of any kind. My wife had come in and she had woken me up yesterday. She'd whacken me up yesterday. And uh, she said, hey, you. And I said, what? And she said, if the police come by asking about that hit and run, have them call uh, my work. And I was like, what? Okay, back to sleep. So I didn't really know what had happened. So apparently, this is the more I really ought to be put on some sort of beautification council for Southeast, some sort of a tourism, you know, or yeah. some sort of a come enjoy glorious Southeast Portland. Uh, they had to let me create the brochures for that because the story is like this. So apparently, Sarah, you know where I live. There's that, you know, I won't say the street because uh, I get enough stalkers as it is, but there's, the, you know, 39th. And then there is a street uh, not too far off of Powell, where I live. So I live at that intersection of 39th and, uh, you know, near the, uh, the WAF Swapping Club. And right there, there's that intersection. 
So apparently, my wife was taking uh, Max out for a walk. She was taking the dog out for a walk. And how often do you ever see... First of all, has anybody here ever actually witnessed, seen an accident happen right in front of them? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I just actually saw one happen on Powell. Were you excited? Yeah, well, it was just a fender bender, but no, it scared me. But I mean, were you, but did, you kind of, did you kind of immediately burn to tell somebody about it? To call, like, I just saw an accident. I was actually on the phone. I'm like, oh. Yeah, you're like, look at that. Uh, did you take a photo of it? No, because it was just a little crumpling. There was a rollover on uh, on Powell a while back, 39th and Powell, and I actually went and took a bunch of camera phone uh, pictures with it and immediately put them on my blog. Tim, have you witnessed an accident firsthand that oh, you were, oh, that you were not in? Yeah, we used to live at the bottom of a hill. Uh-huh. In the wintertime, we used to sit in front of the bay window and watch the cars hit each other at the bottom of the hill. You see Broughton Bishop come sliding uh-huh. by? Yep. Oh, back. Uh, so, so my wife is out uh, walking the dog, and she sees... A car speeding down our side street, and, and he doesn't even stop apparently to stop him. He just like is like going, you know, however fast, like way faster than he ought to have been, and just blows right out into 39th, where of course there is another car coming by. So he just completely t-bones this other car. This is about six in the morning yesterday, uh, right in southeast, right in, right outside my house. He just slams into this other car, spins the other car around. His car ends up on its side. So you've got one car that's spun around, can't move. His car is on its side. My wife, who is a nurse, sees this whole thing happen. She immediately, she, she ties the dog up uh, to the front of her house, and she's like, okay, I, I guess I'm a nurse. You know, I can't really do much, but I better go see if there's anything I can do. She For goes, duty and humanity. Totally, and so forth. So she puts her bonnet on, you know, and... Grabs her, th- grabs her thing of boiling water and her Red Cross kit, and she no, that like, IV thing on wheels. <laughs> she did, <laughs> and, an, and a colostomy bag. Um, she, she goes out in the street, and and uh, some people started to gather. And she goes first to the woman who was hit, uh, and she says, uh, she says, you know, are you okay? And the woman's like, the woman apparently her airbag had deployed, which is always kind of freaky. That whole notion of the airbag freaks me out. But, you know, I bumped into a woman. A couple of weeks ago, I was coming to work, and it really was just a bump. Um, not, you know, we got it, we looked, and we're like, okay, no harm, no foul, whatever. We went in our went in our different ways. But every time I even bump anybody with my car, I have this weird fear that the airbag is going to go off in my face. Like when I'm, I was edging into a parking space once, and I'm like edging forward and trying to angle in and bump, and I was like, ah, you know, and I just waited for the get right there, just some sort of a big jiffy pop coming out. Anyway, so the woman's airbag had been deployed. My wife is talking to her, and this is just yesterday morning. And the woman apparently is fine, real shaken up, you know, whatever, whiplash. Whatever, anyone bleeding, she didn't appear injured. And my wife's like, okay, I'm going to go check on the other guy. She goes over to the other guy. The other guy, again, his car has rolled over. It is on, it's, it's laying on the passenger side. And so my wife goes in, the guy is apparently like head covered in blood, just blood dripping everywhere. The guy is like trying to crawl out of the car like a George Romero zombie. And my wife's like, whoa, ho- hold on, friend. You you may you may want to just, you're bleeding. You may want to hand touch. He's like, no, I, uh, can we just swap information? That was actually what he said. The other one's car has been destroyed. His car is lying on its side, glass shattered. He is covered in blood. His first response, can we just swap information? And my wife just says, um... You know, you're, you know, you're, you want to, don't move. And he's like, no, 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 I'll just, uh, look, I'll get your address and we'll, t- I'll email you. And she's like, friend, you got, I'm ca- I've called 911, you know, you don't move. And that apparently was when it all went bad because the guys, of course, it is Southeast Portland. So when she says she's called 911, what is the guy's immediate response? I can't, I can't be here when the cops get here. <laughs> 
And she's like, what? what? And he's like, no, 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 I can't. I, I, I can't be here when the cops get here. I'm sorry. And so he is, like, crawling out. It, it, it just, I mean, I, I, just like a man crawling out of a grave, just crawling out of the side of the car, gets out of the street. And, you know, my wife's not going to, like, physically restrain him. And so she just kind of backs up. The guy is covered in blood, crawling out of a vehicle, which is on its side. And she, she's like, look, I called 911, the ambulance away. He's like, no, 911! And then he just runs away. And I guess he was sort of limping. He was all messed up. And he was so... And the other woman, of course, is just in the car going, like, what the hell happened? The guy has climbed out of his car, which is on its side, and he is just going... And you'll have to picture this, as she described it to me. One of his legs apparently wasn't working too well. And so he's sort of just cantering down the street like Secretariat coming around a bend with a bad knee, hobbling down the street, covered in blood, screaming, I can't be here when the cops get here. And my wife apparently... Take me to Jiggles. My my my, my wife, while standing in the street at 6 a.m., uh, dressed in whatever she, you know, her, whatever her morning garb was, uh, my wife, as she described it, stood in the middle of the street and yelled after the guy. This is apparently what she said. This is the quote from my wife. She stood in the street and she said, You are really effing yourself by leaving. And the guy was, and then in the back, she said, I can't be here. So, they, so if you see a guy hobbling, left his car, left his car or was it his car? Uh, I'm guessing perhaps not. Mm. Guy covered in blood, bad leg, hoofing through southeast Portland at 6 a.m. So that's what my wife, that's how her day started. And so my wife comes in and she's like, if they call about the hit and run, have them talk to my work. So you never know what you're going to see in southeast that's an Portland. exciting story. It is like a real-life role-playing game living in southeast. It really is. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir. Rick, all I can picture is Tom Cruise from Collateral kind of hobbling after. Totally. Exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, so in Gresham, they don't teach science or, or whatever in Washington because I'm pretty sure what, no matter how heavy you are, you hit the ground at the same time. Well, I think you, I think you achieve terminal velocity, and I don't think you can really go any. And a six-story building's not going to kill anybody. No. No. Uh, the big question though is, did these two people not have PR agents or something? Because clearly you don't. Try and get all this attention. Try and kill yourself on a day when celebrities' houses are on fire totally. in L.A. Because nobody's going to cover them. Suzanne Somers is in jeopardy. The woman wasn't, and Jennifer Aniston is filming a movie. Yeah, I mean, so. oh, you have raging fires with celebrities' homes on fire. We're going to cover some woman with a gun. I don't understand why people who are going to try to do this attention whoring suicide thing don't call the cops in advance. You know. Just send him an email. Tomorrow at 6 a.m., I will be taking myself hostage with a handgun at the east end of the Burnside Bridge. Cheers. And then you just send it. I think this is when the PR person actually gets their money up front, though. I ought to do that. That should be my new career. I will be a PR person. You have to pay in advance. The check, and no checks, please. The check, the check must clear before I will take your business. I will be a PR person for those wishing to take their lives in a public manner, and I will make sure that you get the proper amount of attention. Perfect. And see, and then they give me the information. I give the information to the man, uh, you know, and then the man and the media show up and they uh, they they film the you know the the hostage taking of self and then the inevitable surrender or tasing. That's a great idea I just stumbled onto there. Well, glad I could help. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Uh, let's see. Rick, it was Galileo who proved that two objects of different weights dropped from the same height will fall at the same rate. No, but that's not true. You you're misstating that. Hence, gravity is constant on Earth at 9.8. I don't even know what that means. 
Uh, this guy doesn't even know how to die properly. The weights don't do anything. You should have been looking for a swimming pool. I'll pass it along. But that's not true. Two objects of different weights don't fall at the same speed, do they? Sarah, you went to college. Okay, here's Tim Riley. Well, let's do something to take everyone's mind off all this. Okay. Did you know that Marie Osmond fainted on television last I night? I did. I did. Marie Osmond, who needs my love. Uh, there's no other way to put it. She just has to have it. So, uh, Osmond and her partner, uh, dancer Jonathan, Jonathan Roberts, the first performers of the evening, had just finished a samba and were listening to comments from the show's judges when she suddenly toppled over. So, let's see if we have this. Samba is what Ted Kennedy is when he's not happy. Okay. Let's go to our head judge first, ladies and gentlemen. Now, for the amateur dancer, for me, this dance, Samba, is the hardest one to master. There's lots of different rhythms going on. You have to do steps on the spot. You have to move around the floor. You've got to get this elusive bounce action going. Really? It's being held and by this guy. Of course, you've got to show this. Is this after the fall? No, before. Samba. Oh, there she goes. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a uh, commercial oh, break. We'll be right back, back up, and uh, we'll be right back after this. Back that up. Yeah. We'll be right back after this. Back that act up. We'll be right back after this. Oh, let me go back here. It's frustrating. I know it is. I demand to see Marie Osmond fall. I guess I have to go all the way to the end. Oh, damn it. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Well, she is America's sweetheart. Okay, let's do this one more time. America's crazy, crazy sweetheart. All right, one more time. Okay. So here she is. Let's go to our head Very cheerful. Let's go to our head We'll be right back after this. Uh, well, okay. All right. That's fine. You know, well, you, can, you can watch it on my website. That is really satisfying. Yeah, I love Marie life. Osmond. She is just so hot and crazy. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. This is Dave. What's up? Hey, yes, uh, two objects of different weights will fall at the same pace. It's 10 meters per second squared. It's the distance that gets you to terminal velocity, not the weight of the object. The only thing that would interfere with that would be wind resistance. So if you, you know, put your arms out or wear a, wear a big jacket or something, that would slow you down, but the weight itself is not a factor. See, but how do they... Uh, all right. Now, see, I'm treading into the most dangerous of waters here because I don't really know anything about anything at all. I am a deeply uninformed man about things of a scientific nature. But, A, this seems like... Is this an Isaac... Is this a Newtonian law of motion or something? Hello? Hello? Well, he's gone. All right. Thanks. There was getting I too cerebral. I wasn't anyway. even able to give my interrogative statements. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Yeah, what he said. And, uh, <laughs> okay. It's 9.8 non- meters a second, but who, who cares? Okay. It's 32 feet per second per second. All right, so let me ask you this. Yeah. A, doesn't that seem like a fundamentally useless fact, even if it is true, seeing as how that is without wind resistance, but by definition, if you're falling anywhere with an atmosphere, in other words, unless you're falling in space where you wouldn't fall because there's no gravity, there's always going to be wind resistance. So that's yeah. a... That's a the theoretical of, speed. It, well, no, the, the amount of wind resistance over a given distance is going to be have a negligible effect. That's not true. If you if I stand on the Empire State Building, yeah, and I drop a feather and a bowling ball, the wind resistance is not negligible in calculating the relative uh, attainment of terminal velocity by those two objects. Okay, relative attainment. All right. If you're going to use a feather, and if the feather weighs as much as the bowling ball. Or if the bowling ball weighed as much as a feather, then you'd, you'd have an argument. 
but it's apples and oranges when you're talking about a feather. But that's, okay, of course it's apples and oranges, because we're talking about two different objects. That's the whole statement, is that two different objects fall. Okay, well, where the statement is correct is where wind resistance isn't a factor. But wind resistance is always a factor unless you're on some planet in a Robert A. Heinlein novel. Okay, but say you and your wife go skydiving. You're whacked. <laughs> well done, sir. Okay, go ahead. And uh, she, she weighs 95 pounds, and you weigh 195 pounds. And for some strange reason, your WAF's parachute doesn't open. God forbid. God forbid. And yours doesn't open, God forbid. And you both jump out of the plane at the same time. Who's going to hit the ground first? I don't know the answer to that. You're both going to hit the ground at the same time. Okay, but doesn't it seem like there is a tipping point, though, where, let's see, in other words, doesn't it seem like there is a tipping point where the the distance, the difference in weights between the two objects, there does come an event horizon where the weight disparity is sufficient that don't you will... Confuse, don't confuse weight with mass. No, I understand that, but I'm saying, but weight is the issue we're dealing with here because it is weight that affects uh, the, the, the attainment of, the, of said terminal velocity. So doesn't it's it? It's the mass, not the weight. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Doesn't it follow though that if you have two uh, objects of different weight and/or different mass, that there is a point of disparity at which you cannot overcome the differential to attain uh, uh, equal velocity? No, because 10 pounds of styrofoam is going to fall at the same rate, 32 feet per second per second, as 10 pounds a 10-pound brick. But I'm not talking about 10 pounds of styrofoam. I'm talking about 10 pounds of brick and, and one pound of styrofoam. Well, again, it's, it's apples and oranges when you're talking about dissimilar masses. Okay, I guess. Uh, all right, I don't even. You know, I don't I, even I remember. You're trying I don't to even go. remember how this started. <laughs> it's that poor booger that. that it didn't go to Jiggles and decided to jump off the wrong side of that parking garage. Oh, said, Excellent. Good, good callbacks. And we know that uh, they're listening over to, at the Oregonian because they just published this word for word. They did add one thing, though, that we must have missed. Traffic in the area was disrupted for about 15 minutes. Well done. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right. appreciate it. Once again, traffic was disrupted for 15 whole minutes in downtown Hillsboro. Hours ago. Thank you, Oregonian. The man on the donkey cart was very upset. You know, they do have 700 and, I'm sorry, 450 people working at the Oregonian to gather such news tidbits as these. This was a, I know what, that is amazing. It was a 75-foot uh, fall. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't even remember how this whole discussion about relative weights and terminal velocity even started. And what a weird goddamn program this is. Chris has typed on the screen, everyone says you are wrong. I'm no, I'm willing to admit that I am wrong, but it's one of those things that I, I'm... Will so you think that no matter what the weight, if the, if two things are dropped off a building at the same time, they'll hit the ground at the same time? No, no, no. But that, no, no, no. That's not what I say. That's what physicists say. The two objects, regardless of, of, you know, weight size, will fall at the same speed. Doesn't that just seem wrong? It does seem wrong. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying I'm right. Please, please, Linda, let me, under, let me be very clear about this. I don't really know anything. Uh... Uh, I could really be one of those. I could be Fred Thompson. Look, I'm just an ordinary man now. I don't have a whole lot of learning, uh, but I know what I know, and I, I believe don't use flower language. I'm, a... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just plain spoken because that's how my daddy taught me to be. Um, the uh, 
it, 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 so I, I'm not saying that I'm right about this. I'm saying in my head, Chris has noted, how can all these nerds be wrong? I'm not saying the nerds are wrong. I'm sure they're correct. But it's one of those things that, about which they are correct, but which my brain simply cannot process. I just can't, my brain can't, can't quite get around it. Uh, it is sort of like, I'm trying to think of, a, of, a, of an analogy. I can't really think of a perfect analogy. Uh, here is sort of a, a, a relative analogy. You know something I can't process? And this is something that I myself know to be true, but I can't process it. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this. This is one of those things that typically only comes to you when you're stoned in your dorm room, where you are watching a 33 and a third RPM record, or an LP as we used to have when I was a boy. When you were watching a record on a record player, let's say Sarah's copy of Cheap Tricks Heaven Tonight. Uh, you put it on the record player, you put the needle down, you turn it on, you watch the record spin. What I don't understand, and what will weird me out forever, is how if you were to pick a point at the outermost edge of the record, say where you first put the needle down, and if you were to pick an edge on the, on the label on the inside, they're both going the same speed, yet the little edge of the label inside has like one-tenth the distance to travel all the way around. How do they both get there at the same time? How is that possible? Do you know what I mean? If it's going in a circle... The mark on the edge of the record has like ten times the distance to go as the mark on the label. Well, I mean, who's to say that a record player has to stay at the same speed the whole time? No, but... Maybe it does go faster or slower. No, but it doesn't... No, but, but you're just screwing with me now. You're just trying to make my head Don't hurt. you think, Rick? Stop. I prefer the show when it's mindless. <laughs> well, that is most of the I know, time. I hate it when you start with like the what. Like, I don't understand why I'm bowling, bowling, and feathering, and then don't. it's just going to spiral off. I just off feel like we should be things. watching a film strip, and the thing's going to go beep, and it's going to go to the next thing. And... The Great Barrier Reef. The lesson in physics. The Gypsy Math. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir and madam, as the case may be. Of course, who's sir? It's always going to be, these are always going to be guys. Every call right here is a guy, I'll guarantee you. Hello? Yes, I am a guy, Rick. Yeah, damn you. Okay, yeah, I can explain the two different size objects falling at the same speed if you want. Okay, you know, it's really going to turn Sarah on if you do this. If you talk I about know, physics I... really, like, a lot. Yeah, go ahead. I can imagine. Okay, imagine that gravity is the engine that makes things go. If yes. you have two cars of the same size, and one has twice as big of an engine, it'll be faster, right? Okay. Okay. Say the car with twice as big of an engine is also twice as heavy. Yes. It will now be the same speed as the other car because of inertia. Are you following? No, not, not so much. Sarah, okay. you following? I'm staying out of this. Tim? So the thing you're care. overlooking, you're, you're concerning yourself with wind resistance, yeah. and terminal velocity, all that stuff. But the thing is inertia. It ta it's harder to get something big moving, and it's bigger, so it has more gravity. And that it, it for whatever reason, it exactly works out the same. I guess, and this really, and then we do have to, we do have to end this, um, <laughs> because I know that people think I'm trying to be difficult, and I'm really not. I just it, it, there are things that my brain is not equipped to understand. Right. You, know what, you know what it is? It's like some guys who are colorblind. Uh, and some people, uh, uh, like my friend Wendy in high school with an albino, had no sense of taste. Couldn't taste anything. With me, there are certain things about science and math I just don't understand. And so here's one of them. Is, is this statement, are they saying that two objects of different weight and or size, when dropped off the same building, will fall at the same rate? Is that the statement? 
true. Okay. But I guess what I'm saying is we live in the real world where in any scenario like this, there would, in fact, be wind resistance. Yeah, I don't think wind resistance. I mean, if you're dropping a 10-pound bowling ball yes. and a 15-pound bowling ball, I don't right. think wind resistance is going to matter. Okay. I guess here's my... If it's a feather or a piece of paper, yes, wind resistance. Will here's, here's my final question. My final question is, and this really is just a thing that I... It's just like a little intellectual itch that I have to scratch. My final question is, I'm assuming it was Isaac Newton that this is the whole thing of the apple falling off the tree. He discovered this. Um, well, no, it's Galileo, but yeah. Okay. Uh, Newton did similar work uh galileo actually rolled two different sized balls down a, a ramp the thing about him dropping balls off the or the uh, leaning tower pizza is, is made up it must have been so easy to be a scientist like 200 years ago you know what is your yeah. great breakthrough i rolled a ball down a hill exactly uh, the, uh, so my question is how did they arrive at the conclusion that these two objects would fall at the same speed in a world without wind resistance when that's a theory that you by definition can't test because there's always wind resistance yeah, uh, like I said, I think it takes uh, it, something has to be uh, fairly wind resistant, like spheres of different weights. Yes. Uh, the wind resistance is the same on them, basically. Okay. But right. uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, the real world, there's always variables okay. uh, that you can't eliminate. Really, but, can I just tell you? you I am so envious of people who understand math and science. Uh, it's like how when you watch somebody draw, because I can't draw anything, and you watch a guy who can draw something, and you ever done this? We've all had this experience. Like Sarah can draw, and you look and you go, that's amazing. And they always kind of go, eh, you know, I can do it. And it's like to somebody who can do it, it always just seems so obvious. But to somebody who's mystified by it, it just seems so magical. So really, I mean this in a non-snarky way. I am so envious of all you guys who know math and science, because I just can't figure it out. So. Yeah, and, and it gets you laid all the time. <laughs> all right, best, best show ever. Bye now. All right, there you go. Best ending to a call all day. Hey, Chris, uh, will you apologize to these uh, to these other uh, undoubtedly men who are calling in about physics? I just, we can't, I can't let this continue. So if you are on hold about physics, I apologize. We we will probably not be taking any more physics calls. So uh, uh, I don't wish you to feel personally slighted by this. It'll just be a mass brain drain. <laughs> really, I mean, it's just not going to work. So, yeah, no more nerds. I'm sorry. <laughs> I you really have a, a Scotty J kind of wit, actually. Chris has just typed, no more nerds. Who will be left to call? Excellent. Let's take a break. We're just going to continue with news when we come back because we didn't even start till 1230. No. And we've done nothing. We've done absolutely nothing. Jesus. All right. Yeah. Hi there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Back after this, it's uh, AM 970 Solid State Radio. Here's Andrew W.K. Radio program live and local, unlike almost every other radio program we can mention. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. All right, I don't even know where to go. First of all, A, Tim just showed us the most fantastic video. Now, what is the audio? Is the, is oh, it's in Swedish. Well, I'll go back and find it again if you want. Tim, is this on your blog? Yeah, it is. Go to rickemerson.com now, I command you. Uh, go to rickemerson.com, go down the lower left-hand side, look for Tim Riley's pl uh, press club, 
uh, and and click on it and and check out this video. It's some hot girl hosting a Swedish game show. It looks like a sort of Swedish version of Sabado Gigante, which is the best program ever. Uh, this is not that, but this looks like a Swedish Sabado Gigante. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like Hergen Flergen Fliegen Flagen or whatever it is they call it in Sweden. And it's I don't even should we even spoil? Well, of course we should. It's yeah. a hot girl who. He's looking straight at the camera, and then about 10 seconds in, with no warning, hurls. And, I mean, it's a big... she comes back with a big smile. And you know what? (laughs) It's a big picking her teeth. It's a big meaty hurl, too. I mean, it's... She ate a big breakfast. It's not like a little bit of, like, she's throwing up some milk. I mean, that's a... (laughs) That's like a that's like a full on lard ass blueberry pie eating contest hurl is what that is. So can we play the audio for that? Yeah. All right. So before you hit play, let me just say it's a very attractive woman. She looks like who does she look like? It, she looks when she's not vomiting. She looks like somebody I kind of know, but I can't think of who it is. She's a very attractive woman. So she speaks, and you can. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Hey, with you. Niklas. Hej Niklas, var du besvart med? Eh, tull. That's so wrong! <laughs> she's coming back. No, did she come back? <laughs> yeah, she's back. Okay, vad där? Jag måste bara tala om en sak nu. Jag har... Oh, she might come up. I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back. Um, I'll bring it back to where she comes So before you do anything... <laughs> okay, I, first of all, two things to say. One, we're going to play this w- with our mics off once so that you... Hold on, just don't play it yet. <laughs> we're going to play this once with our mics off so that you can hear the splat of the woman hurling on screen. This is a telethon. And then, I don't think it's a telethon. I think it's some or a call-in show. show or yeah. a, ga- a call-in show. But it's something where she calls and takes live calls. And then out of nowhere, she just hurls... And then she comes back onto the screen, and we'll give you the full translation, but she comes on, and her explanation starts with, I have to, I'm sorry, I have to explain, I have really painful menstruation. That's her explanation for the vomiting. Sarah? Ever? No. Okay. So let's play it once without our microphones on. Listen for the splats. Hello? Hello? Hey, what are you? Niklas. Hey, Niklas, what are you for the Tull. All right, there you go, genius. Okay. okay. So. And then she comes back. She's coming back. Read the translation if you Woo. would. Woo. Okay. All right. All I'm going to say is. I just have to tell you this. I have painful menstruation. <laughs> I'm on live television and anything can happen, and I'm sorry for that. But I have painful menstruation. It can make you feel real sick. Maybe someone has given her an incorrect definition of menstruation. Oh, we called her a jerk. All right, can you play it from the beginning one more time up through up to the second splat? Okay. Because there's a sort of a splat and an after splat. Yeah, hello. Hello. So it's in that she's hot makes all the difference. Hey, Niklas, what did you want to say? Tull. Oh, thank you. Okay, that's our end of show clip, by the way. That is anyway, you can go to my blog and watch it. That is fantastic. And I also have uh, Maria Osmond keeling over. All on one uh, posting God, for that. That is so great. Can I, I tell you, uh, you know, we've played many, many things from uh, from YouTube, uh, which is just, uh, you know, sort of, the, the, you know, like we've had, you know, all the anchors going insane and <clears throat> just saying all kinds of crap that they shouldn't say. And we have that anchor who was trying to report on the... Um, 
trying to report on the car wreck, uh, and he kept uh, he kept losing losing his composure. And I don't know where that is. I can never find it when I want to play it. I think this is one of those things. That, God bless him, but I think this is one of those things that Scotty moved around. If Scotty went and like stuck my sound effects somewhere. I hope he doesn't do that at his new job. He'll never be promoted to president. Oh, I uh, I wish I could figure out where he put some of this. Sarah, do you have the one that we've been playing recently? Oh, wait, I have it. I have one of them right here. Hold on. to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. And I don't have the full, I don't think I have the full length one. Mm-hmm. We have the one where the where we insert Larry Craig um, you know, just I hate I hate mentioning stuff like this and realizing I don't have it. I, he, Scotty, I'm gonna have to go through all of that. I hate to be blaming. It sounds like I'm blaming the guy who's not here, and I guess no. I am. Uh, but he sort of rearranged a lot of our sounders just because he thought that they would work better in another folder, and now I can't find. Them. Anyway, um, so there's the there's we play a lot of these anchors, but there is a great YouTube clip of a kid being interviewed on, like, a Good Morning Dallas-type TV show. And it's sort of like AM Northwest, but it's in Dallas. And he's a kid who's just got a film into the Austin Film Festival. And so the woman, who is, you know, the sort of, uh, you know, the Deborah Knapp type, she's interviewing him, and, and she's sort of, you know, she's like, we're here with, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know uh, Jonathan McKenzie. Jonathan, you've just got a film that, uh, you know, as a young man of 17, your new film has just entered the Austin Film Festival, which is a great achievement. Tell us a little bit oh, about the movie that one, yeah. and how it came to be. Mm-hmm. And, she, and the kid's sitting right there at the news desk with her on the AMR, the Good Morning Dallas program. And she says, tell us a little bit about your film. And he kind of looks at the camera. And there's just this half-second calm before the storm, and then he just goes, like, right onto the counter, right onto the, and Sarah, you worked at Coin, right onto the news desk. It all, like, oatmeal. It all comes out. Ew, and okay, no, you don't need to do Okay, but to her credit, she does. Immediately, she shuffles the papers and goes, you know what, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back after this on Good Morning Dallas. I mean, a total pro. She was fantastic. I wish I could find the uh, the YouTube clip. Let's see. Let's see. News. Vomits. What do you think that'll come up with? Yes, it's live YouTube searching on the air, on the radio. Let's see, news vomit. Guy talk. Maybe this is. Maybe this is. Oh, this is it. Okay, here we go. This is a guy. He's not talking about. I guess he's talking about a a, a band, not a movie. I thought he was talking about a movie, but I guess he's talking about a, a record. Mm-hmm. Um, guy vomits on the news. This has got to be it. And it, it, it's a it's a young kid. Guy talking about his band throws up while on the air. Let's, oh, I've got to see that again. Let's let's see if we can let's see if we can get it to play here. Hold on, I'm gonna let this load. Um, while we're loading, can you play that woman one more time, Tim? Do you have that? Uh, I do. Do you have okay, that up? Go back here. This is uh, what she's from uh, Sweden. Ja, hallå. Ja, hallå. Hej, vet du? Niklas. Hej, Niklas. Var du? Var du? Eh, Tull. After the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. I am not gay. He's blind. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Uh, I got to find the original where she just does the he's gay, he's gay, he's blind. Uh, okay, let's see. This is... The sound clip of the guy hurling while he's... Let's see. You're showing a picture at 5.30 at the Ragtag Theater. Tell me about what... This is 6.10 a.m., 31 degrees, and I do believe it is Good Morning Dallas. The newswoman is interviewing this poor kid who is clearly uncomfortable the entire time he's he's being interviewed. 
and she's asking him about his band. So let's uh, go back here. That's going on tonight. It's called One Small Step. It's a documentary about the first chimpanzees to be sent into space. Um, sort of a combination of the it is history of the space program and an animal rights sort of activist piece. How many of you guys got together to put together this film festival? Um, there were two core individuals, myself uh, and Ryan Wiley. Good to see it coming. And uh, both of us went to school at MU in Columbia, and we're touring <laughs> the country with that festival right now. And one of the pictures that I know Ryan was involved in was the Joe Amrine piece that got a lot of, you know... He just put his hand to his mouth sort of like as though he was burping. Publicity. <laughs> <laughs> right onto the counter. Let's hear that whole thing again. You guys turned into like 12-year-old boys. So... Oh, like you have it. It's 5.30 at the Ragtag Theater. Tell me about what's being shown. The show that's going on tonight is called One Small Step. It's a documentary about the first chimpanzees to be sent into space. Um, so the great thing is, even though this is an oral medium, you can hear it. It works without the visual. Animal rights, sort of activist piece. How many of you guys got together to put together this film festival? Um, there were two core individuals, myself uh, and Ryan Wiley. Mm -hmm. And uh, both of us went to school at MU in Columbia, and we're touring the country with that festival right now. And one of the pictures that I know Ryan was involved in was the Joe Amrine piece that got a lot of, you know, publicity. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, uh, we're going to take a commercial break. Oh. Yeah, hello. Hello. Hey, what are Niklas. Hey, Niklas, what are you doing? Tull. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Can we time this so that? Let's uh, hold on. Let me let me see if I can time this. So, uh, let's see. Was the Joe Amrine piece? Hold on a second. Got a lot of you know publicity. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Tim. Go ahead and play yours back uh, from the beginning. I was trying to do it kind of a back-to-back. -back. It didn't really work out. All right. Oh, that's genius. All right. Fantastic. Uh, just really quickly, just as a final, just let, let, me, let me see if I can... Uh, I'm sorry we're such children, Sarah. I'm sorry we're not up to your level. Sarah's over there with the, uh... Yeah, hello. Hello. Hey, what are you? Niklas. Hey, Niklas, what are you for me? Uh, Tull. <laughs> right after the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. So we'll... All right. There you go. Oh, it's a good day. You know, we're celebrating life, Sarah. On a day filled with so much death, we're celebrating life. Uh-huh. what we're doing. <laughs> celebrating life. It's the Rick Emerson Show is all about. It was the Joe Amrine piece that got a lot of, you know, publicity. All right. It's 503-733-2970. <laughs> Another half hour is gone. <laughs> 
That was this entire segment. Like sand through the hourglass. <laughs> oh, fantastic. All right. Um, and when I say fantastic, I mean great. Were we going to do news in this half hour to make up for No, maybe you guys can make fart noises that can fart to each other. <laughs> that would be tacky. That would be. We're above that. No, we will not stoop to such a level, Sarah. Let's take a break. <laughs> take a break, and we'll come back and do some real news after this. Later on, the top five presidential campaign theme songs. Oh, we got these Scotty J job applications. Don't forget about that. And by the way, be listening for Tim Riley to say... Well, nothing, since I apparently don't have the pot up. <laughs> well, Roy, be, be listening for Tim Riley to say, Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Uh, when you hear that later on, be caller number nine. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Yeah, hello. Hello. Hey, what are you? Niklas. Hey, Niklas. What are you for me? Tull. <laughs> you know, everybody else in town is going to feel this bit. Of course. <laughs> well, we're happy to have the usual suspects. We are. We're happy to be the head of this particular river. The Tigris and Euphrates of everybody else's show prep. All right. <sighs> Thanks. 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up later. Top five presidential campaign theme songs. James, I'm sorry, I keep saying that. Rachel McGrath uh, from Los Angeles. Job applications for the position vacated by Scotty J. Uh, let's see, what else? Man, a bunch of other stuff. Anywho, by the way, I'd like to thank the fine folks at the AARP who just told me that if I join today, I can get a free travel bag. So there you go. Apparently only twelve fifty. Double or backpack? Uh, backpack. No, shoulder bag. Just shoulder bag of some kind. When I joined the AARP, you know the AARP used to be for people who was like sixty five. Then it was sixty. Now I do believe that the minimum age 50. is fifty. Yeah. You can become a member of the AARP at the age of fifty now. All right. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy Rick. You will indeed win the Murrow Award for the preceding vomit segment. I'm sure he's looking down fondly. Yes, he is. Uh, Rick, uh, subject line too soon, uh, email says, Today's show is all about the splat of one kind or another, isn't it? That is too soon. Um, let's see. This one says, about that vomiting film student. <laughs> Actually, it says vomiting film guy equals genius. Rick, the best thing about that clip is that even without seeing it, you can hear the noise of imminent puke in his voice the whole time. Like a sort of saliva production with pausing nervousness combination that any discerning ear can pick up on. The Swedish chick isn't as easy to read. No, she is easy on the eyes, even after the vomiting. Uh, and this one says... Um, Final email. Oh, this is about the record, the physics thing earlier. Final comment about this. He says, about the inside and the outside of the record. The outside edge of the record moves faster. It does not. Now you're just screwing with my head. Stop it. Uh, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, here's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. 
Well, hundreds of thousands of people were forced to evacuate their homes as the wildfires continue to spread throughout Southern California. Among those affected who live in the affluent suburbs, as actor John Travolta, he says he's concerned. Not we really haven't concerned. been affected. We have great empathy for those who have been. All of the friends that we know and uh, love are okay, but uh, of course your attention is on everybody, yeah. so I don't yeah. know what the answer is, uh, but we got to do something. Maybe Xenu can come help you. Richard Gere says people have been fighting the fire all by themselves. Friends that you know we hear are having some problems here. They're out with their hoses you know, <laughs> on the roofs and the lawns. But uh, you know, I think it's been miraculous. There's been such little loss of life here. So it's horrible for the people who have been hurt. For the little people. Can I just make this observation? that If you're trying to get empathy for the fire, having an endless parade of B-list celebrities come out and talk about how it's horrible for them doesn't make anybody care. That just makes me change the channel. Uh, meanwhile, a dirty, sexy money star Blair Underwood says, although she's not permanently affected, her agent told her to get out there and make some comments. Earthquakes, and then we have fires, and, and you know, it's just an annual thing. Now, because of the fires, of course, later on in the season, there'll be mudslides, because all the shrubbery is burned away and, and gone, so it's kind of like an ongoing thing. But, you know, you're always kind of on the ready. You should be living in Southern California to, you know, to get in your car and roll it. I was just going to say, the fact that even now, months away, he's saying, next will be the mudslides. Yes. How many warnings from God do you need? And at what point do the rest of us just get to go, no, we no longer care? I mean, really, if, if now, this is what, October? Yes. If now he is already saying that, like, in March, there are going to be horrific mudslides that we will be obligated to cover because they take place in California, which is the only state that really matters, that really, New York City does matter. Leave. Leave now. Pack up and get out or quit your bitching. Well, there's more. Apparently, the bed and breakfast run by reality stars Tori Spelling and Dean McDermott has been evacuated. No! And current Dancing with the Stars contestant and actress Jane Seymour says her Malibu home has also been evacuated. Although her husband has decided to stay behind <laughs> and fight the blaze. Just like John Jacob Astor. Yeah. Uh, she can come stay with me. She's still hot. Those are all the uh, celebrity comments that we have up to the well, minute. Well, there you go. Hooray. On to more important things, such as America's Next Top Model. Things do continue, even though there's a fire going on. 22-year-old Janet was eliminated due to her need for too much coaching during photo sessions. Everything happens for a reason, and and I got a great opportunity to get some exposure, and now it's time for me to, to fulfill my dreams and try to get an agency and, and start working. She was distracted while on the program. My boyfriend was deployed in the Middle East, and I just always had that in the back of my mind, and I missed him a lot, so I, it was... Sometimes a little harder to focus than usual, but everything is good now. He's back, and we're happy. It was hard to focus on standing there while people took photos of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's too much. Yeah, all right. A new campaign is underway to get the monkeys into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I okay. Nothing. I, I'm just. I'm sorry because of the New Delhi thing yesterday. That straight up monkey savagely attacking and killing that that uh, politician. I, oh, I for do. a minute I thought that there was some campaign. I thought this was a recall back to yesterday. Actually, I do have an elephant story. Now that you bring it up, uh, six wild elephants were electrocuted when they went berserk after drinking rice beer in a remote village. Nearly 40 elephants came to a village looking for food. They found beer, which farmers were meant to keep in plastic and tin drums in their huts. They got drunk, uprooted a utility pole carrying power lines, and were electrocuted in the village oh, about bad. 150 miles west of Shilong. Uh, so that's unfortunate. I know they have to be more careful. The rest, uh, the rest escape unscathed. Yes, I'm a big fan of elephants trampling villages. Mm -hmm. Anytime elephants can go in and just level some sort of place where humans live, I really strongly am in favor of that. All well, right, I'm sorry. So you can get back to the monkeys, I guess. Oh, 
So anyway, uh, this uh, monkey thing is is underway. A luxurious music.com is behind the latest effort that includes a petition drive and a charity auction. Up for bid are three paintings from another famous primate, Cheetah, Char- Tarzan's chimney pansy sidekick from the 1930s. Chimney pansy. Uh, Cheetah meets the monkeys, Pleasant Valley Sunday, and Daydream Believer. Wait. Stop. I don't... Are you reading a whole bunch of stories mixed together? No, this is the same story. Were you really talking about the monkeys and you're talking about Tarzan? Yes. Please read the story again for the beginning. A new campaign is underway to get the monkeys into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. LuxuriousMusic.com is behind the latest effort that includes a petition drive and a charity auction. Up for bid are three paintings from another famous primate, Cheetah, Tarzan's a chimpanzee sidekick from the films. They've uh, created monkeys-inspired canvases, Cheetah Meets the Monkeys, Pleasant Valley Sunday, and Daydream Believer. Fitting on the song... Uh, I don't understand anything that's, that's being discussed here. And I'm a pretty <laughs> sharp guy about some things. I don't understand... <laughs> I don't understand... <laughs> oh, come on, you cannot pay it off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hello. Hello. Hey, what are you Hej Niklas, vad har du för svar till mig? Eh, tull. <laughs> I demand to know why Sarah doesn't find this funnier. Sarah, please to explain now why you don't find this to be as gut-burstingly hilarious as Tim and I do. <laughs> I don't know, lack of a penis? <laughs> I don't think it's a penis thing. I found it last night and I played it for three hours. <laughs> I even went to bed late because I was watching it again. <laughs> I love the idea that you that you got to bed late because you were sitting there watching a nine-second clip of a newswoman vomiting over and over again. Yeah. That I is... looked up at the clock and I better get to bed. <laughs> I've been here for three I've hours. I've got to stop watching this. <laughs> I'm glad it didn't happen on a Friday. I <laughs> the entire <laughs> Oh, fine. Be that way. All right. Let's get back to other things. <laughs> Sorry. I, so there's the monkeys and something yeah, is well, happening. And uh, Philadelphia's Department of Human Services is warning people about the dangers of co-sleeping. Co-sleeping is where a parent or a guardian brings a young child into an adult bed. Arthur Evans says it's very dangerous and potentially deadly to bring a child to bed with you. What? What? Okay. <laughs> All right, go ahead. In Philadelphia, 76 infants have died in unsafe sleeping environments. Over the past 18 months, more Philadelphia infants have died in unsafe sleeping environments than have died from physical abuse or neglect during the past seven years. Wait, so this is code for your fat parent rolls over on you and smothers you. That's correct. Parents roll on top of children, overweight ones, and kill them. I tried to perform the CPR. The CPR. That's the, I felt that she still had a breath inside of her, so that's why I tried to perform the CPR. And then, then the ambulance came and took over, took her to uh, St. Christopher's Hospital, and they pronounced her dead on arrival over there. So they better get busy and make some more. Well, there you go. Hey, did you see that study about Philadelphia being the ugliest place on earth? Yes, I have it here somewhere. <laughs> do we have to speak? Since we're, let's just go ahead and shovel more dirt onto the city of Philadelphia while we're at it. What do I do there that? was a great story today that Philadelphia, they've actually revealed today that Philadelphia has the most unattractive people in the entire country. How would you like to wake up and find that your city has been, I mean, I know Tom makes fun of Portland, Oregon, as he calls it. 
But there was some... Ah, here we go. I'd like to find out that you, you live in the ugliest city in the continental United States. First it was the fattest, now it's the ugliest. Really? It was the fattest, too? Mm -hmm. I guess we could have concluded that from the preceding story. The city of Philadelphia is home to the nation's least attractive people, and you thought it was Vancouver. Well done. Responding to a survey conducted by Travel and Leisure magazine, more than 60,000 people said Philly was not only last in human scenery, <laughs> it was also voted the least stylish, least attractive, and least friendly. <laughs> well done. Philadelphia. Brotherly love. And topped several polls as having the fattest people in the U.S. Ranking just ahead of Philadelphia for unattractiveness were Washington, D.C., and not so surprising, Dallas, Fort Worth. Topping the list with the most attractive people are Miami, San Diego, mm. Charleston, South Carolina. San New York, Diego. New York ranked number one in most categories than any other city in the poll, including most attractive people, style, big game uh, restaurants, big game museums. Big game restaurants. <laughs> Uh, theater, jewelry, shoes, and ethnic food. And so the and so New York was the most stylish. I can see that thing about uh, San Diego having some of the most attractive people. The people in San Diego really, the, and it's notable by the way that it's San Diego and not Los Angeles, because people in Los Angeles are sort of weirdly plasticky attractive. And but but the yeah. thing is, it, there's something weird about Los Angeles about how like you get off the plane and even if you are attractive, it, it, it I don't know what it is, man. It's like leaving. Um, it's like leaving an ice sculpture in the sun or something. You get off the plane, you begin to live in Los Angeles, and a clock just starts ticking on your attractiveness. I think there's so no, much... No, it, it's a clock. It, it, they're just clones of blondes and boob jobs. But I know one over 100 pounds. And I think the thing is, I think in, in, in California, it's exacerbated by the fact that there is such an arms race to stay hot that everybody has so much plastic surgery. Yeah. And it's not just because everybody wants to look beautiful. It's because that town just ages you. I mean, it, it's like we always joke about how you become president, you age about 30 years inside one term. I think living in Los Angeles, or, or and especially if you live in the entertainment industry, it's just, it just makes you like wrinkled and sad and ugly. And so you've got to get more and more plastic surgery to cover up the fact that you are just decaying as a human being. So I can see San Diego, a lot of beautiful... And, and but the I, best news is I think it's cheaper here. If Angelinos knew about some of the prices up here that I see that even come in my mail... For plastic surgery? Yeah, they, really? They get work done here. Yeah. You know, I went through a phase when I, uh, when I thought I was going to get my nose done uh when i not so much now but when i was younger uh i went i think i've grown into my nose getty lee style uh but i i did go through a phase where i thought i was going to have a nose job uh done as, or whatever that rhinoplasty or whatever which is a singularly unpleasant word by the way rhinoplasty is really just a completely off-putting term but i had this whole thing where i was going to get that done and i think now i'm kind of at the f that stage but uh good to know though i do live in a place where it's uh where it's cheap yeah all right so, uh, so there you go. So hot people in San Diego, ugly people in Philadelphia. And I know I've said this repeatedly, but you know, even though they are, uh, even though they are freaks and the uh, Stepfords, uh, Salt Lake City really does have amazingly attractive people. Um, everybody in Salt Lake City, they all, all the men look like Mitt Romney, uh, and all the women uh, look like uh, God. Who am I? Who's a good example? All the women sort of look like uh, even better, uh, even better looking versions of Lisa Kudrow. They all kind of look like that. So, uh, there you go. All right. Ugliest people you've ever seen? Tim, go. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that a tough question? I would say Vancouver. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Uh, let's see. It's 503-733-2970. Jesus, it's almost 2 o'clock. Does it feel like we've packed several shows into just one day today? It really does. You look tired, Sarah. I, I am I'm not tired. trying to knock you. I'm just saying you look like you're just sort of beaten down. No, tonight. I'm one up. By the time it was noon, it felt like we'd already done the whole show. We had the jumper. We had the gun thing. Well, the vomiting and all. Here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. So there. Here's an interesting story. 
Uh, Clear Channel Rock Station, WQBZ in Macon, Georgia, was knocked off the air around 7.30 this morning after Vandal stole copper wire from the station's transmitter while it was on the air. <laughs> the thieves, who were lucky enough not to be hurt cutting through live transmission wire, also walked away with the air compressor from the station's air conditioner. Well done. It was the third time in two months that the station experienced vandals stripping equipment from its transmitter site that's surrounded by two fences and barbed wire. Total damages in all three incidents are in the $15,000 range. So the station was able to make repairs, and thankfully, they didn't go off the air any time during the times that all this stuff was stolen. It'd, it'd be a real tragedy if a clear channel station went off the air. I know it. Lose all that live programming. All that community spirit. <laughs> yes. Time for Brittany Watch. Here's your Brittany Watch for Tuesday. Program. You know, I can tell we're catering to our demographic because ever since we we talked about that video, yeah, three hundred of you have logged on to watch it. The oh, the, the vomiting thing, yeah, and we, that's like in twenty minutes. Yeah, in twenty minutes, and said, don't you people have jobs? No, no. I mean, everybody wants to see the woman vomit. Well, look, in everybody, language. Everybody loves vomit except Sarah. Yep. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Britney Spears' parenting coach has submitted her report to the court, and it isn't pretty. The two-and-a-half-page report says Brittany totally ignored the coach, didn't even acknowledge her presence. The coach said she was unable to teach Brittany anything because Brittany didn't want to learn. They were... You're talking about a developmentally disabled chimp. Mm -hmm. The report, which was uh, presented to the court yesterday and will be critical in determining if Spears can again have 50-50 custody, concludes that Brittany ignores the kids and the lives in her own little world. Well done. Brittany often disappeared or wasn't around the kids at all or the coach. Uh, the coach said Britney spends lots of time on the phone and changing clothes. A blue-eyed Britney Spears hit another photographer with her car yesterday. <laughs> she did apologize, oh, God. but Sorry. she was still a nervous wreck. The cameras got Britney on the way out of Beverly Connection when she accidentally ran over the uh, foot of a paparazzi with her Mercedes. Though the photographer kept saying it wasn't her fault, Britney repeatedly apologized at one point, uh, looking as if she was about to cry. Of course... She can still have pink eye. Uh, Spears took refuge at the Beverly Hilton Hotel with her latest assistant. Fantastic. Several people used to work for Britney are asking the public to boycott the singer's new album. Uh, the group that calls itself Be Proactive to Help has set up a MySpace page. The site asks people to refrain from buying Britney's upcoming album Blackout until she seeks help. Be Proactive to Help also outlines methods of help that include... Contacting Jive Records, MTV, and Britney's management to let them know about the boycott. The group blames the business people around Britney for continuing to capitalize on every move, despite the fact that she's a very broken woman. Excellent. So we've all done our jobs then. The, so we are passively part of the Britney boycott, because of course I wasn't planning on buying it anyway. So we've, uh, we've joined the boycott without even trying. So it's myspace.com slash be proactive to help. Yeah. Britney's new CD hits the stores uh, a week from today. All right. And by the way, this is all stolen from that Amy Winehouse thing, because Amy Winehouse's dad uh, a couple months ago was all on that. Don't, don't, boy, it's funny how we've all just forgotten about uh, Amy Winehouse. We've just decided to start, stop caring about her. Oh, my God. Their quote is, save the pop star, save the world. Really? Oh. Honestly? Oh, my God. Yes. 
Okay. He who saves a pop star saves the world entire. Whatever. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, so, yeah, it's like we stopped caring about, uh, it's like we stopped caring about Amy Winehouse and Lily Allen all at once. Which is what, it does really further everybody's contention that they are secretly just the same person. All right, there's your Britney watch for a Tuesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. about this song everything everything and also just a tiny little hint of malice he puts into that britney spears died line where he just it just sort of spits it out like a little kind of like a like a soft cuddly john Lydon. uh all right let's do a couple more and then i've been teasing this forever do a couple more and then i will do these two things I will read this email about the Tigered Winco. Tim, you'll find it amusing. Oh, yeah. And then we'll examine this, uh, well, at least one of these applications for Scotty J's Ooh. job. So right here on K-Hits Stationery. Oh, well, that sounds good. Here's Tim Riley. From New York comes word a convenience store clerk used an axe this weekend to chase off a robber with a gun. Can I ask you this? Apparently, the robber threatened the woman with a gun and demanded money. That's when the clerk stalled the suspect, retrieved an axe, and began swinging. Uh, she caused him to, uh, to flee out of the... Store without any proceeds, and then proceeded to uh, without any proceeds out of the store without any proceeds. Like he's trying to like he's trying to get Jerry's kids dimes or something. All right, uh, Jessica Simpson will sh- soon be sharing her opinions with the ladies on the View. Oh God, She's no, appear no, twice next month. Okay, this comes after uh, Elizabeth Hasselback is oh, leaving right. this week to begin her maternity leave. Ah. Uh. So uh, Jessica's appearances are slated for November 15th and 16th. Here's an interesting observation. You know, so we, we do, all of us here in this room, have all this personal investment in The View, even though none of us watch it. Oh. I, I can't even remember the last time I've seen that. The only time I've even heard audio from The View is when we played when Rosie was going crazy right before they fired her. And it, how weird that I look back now is that as, as, that is the golden era of The View. And she was like, George Bush blew up at the World Trade Center. You know, and we were, at least it was interesting. We used I, to watch it back at Fisher. I was that Dick Clark view was right after it. Do you remember the name of that show? Oh, I don't. Yeah, with Mario Lopez. The morning after. Uh, the morning after with Mario Lopez. Hello, Senorita. Oh, I can't remember. Did the Earth move for you as well? My car's dashboard is inlaid with the beaks of a thousand eagles. Uh, no, uh, it was Danny Bonaducci, Mario Lopez, uh, Dick Clark, and. I got nothing. I got oh, nothing. Um, was it a guy from an ER? Was it the... Uh, isn't it the really... What's his name? I forget. Well, whatever. It doesn't really matter. I, the name of the show was The Other Half. Um, and I think it's gone now. I think it's gone away. Well, Dick Clark... Well, let's see. Well, let's run down the list. Mario Lopez is doing Dancing with the Stars. Mm. Danny Bonaducci is uh, on the Adam Carolla show. Dick Clark is just laying somewhere immobile. Um, I forget the other guy. There was another. I think there was a big black man who was the fourth uh, host on that program, but I don't even know. I don't even know who that was. I know his name. I, I can. Yeah, I can't remember who it was, because I think he was either an early edition who they got rid of, or he was a late edition. And one of the other, he wasn't there the whole time. Uh, somebody decided that like they just need they needed somebody else. Anyway, well, whatever. Blah 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 blah. But that, that was the last time we even watched the View. Was God? It was 2003 because that when that was when we were doing the build up to war. That was during the uh, we'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way uh, era of. That was uh, right of when, I, when I moved here. 
Yeah, it was because that was because we were working right next to uh, the Mike and Amy show over there. Yep. So, all right, um, all right. Well, let's do one more. I'm gonna wait till next hour to play what many people have sent me. It, what purports to be the best vomit clip ever. Oh, I'm gonna wait until good. the turn of the hour. Sarah seems to believe we've had our fill of vomit this hour. So once we hit two o'clock, uh, I'll play this. I think it's because I feel like I have to. People really. Maybe I should play it now and get it over with. Okay, you should do it. People are claiming that this is, in fact, the best vomit clip that's ever been heard by anybody ever. Also, kids, be listening for Tim Riley to say, Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. When you hear that from Tim Riley later on, be caller 9. You will win a copy of American Gangster Season 1, narrated by Ving Rhames in stores on, D- on DVD uh, as of now, from BET, Paramount Home Entertainment. BET's critically acclaimed crime docudrama, American Gangster, on DVD. This hard-hitting series features true crimes with real consequences examining some of our nation's most infamous African-American criminals. Uh, the complete first season hits the streets on October 23rd, only from BET uh, Home Entertainment. So there you go. I'm tired of white criminals anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. You know, thank they are the million-dollar empires and violence-riddled lives of some of the most notorious African-American crime figures of our time. So, yeah, so there you go. So, uh, it looks pretty great, actually. I, it's narrated by Ving Rhames. And the guy, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, um, what is his name? Michael? <laughs> Hello? I'm, is it, uh, who is it? Michael Harris? Is that his name? The guy they called Harryo who funded Death Row Records while in jail? like some sort of criminal under underworld. Anyway, well, whatever. Uh, I, I have to watch it at some point. Freeway, uh, Ricky Ross, we talked about that guy yesterday. And um, uh, and, then, uh, and then Stan uh, Stan Williams, who founded uh, The Crips. Isn't there a movie coming out called American Gangster? See, it's very confusing, actually. I was sort of confused about that. Because then Hill Washington's in that. There one. is American Gangster Season 1. American Gangster is a program on Paramount, uh, I'm sorry, on B- BET from Paramount Home Entertainment, which, as, as, as they say, examines some of the most notorious American uh, uh, African-American crime figures of our time. That is a series. It is a documentary series narrated by Ving Rhames. There is also that movie with Denzel Washington called American Gangster. But see, I don't even really know what that movie's about. Is that like a dramatization of one of these, do you think? No, I think it's it's based on true events, um, like in the like, 20s or 30s in New York. Like he was oh, it's like a cotton club era kind of thing? Yeah, he was like the, the head gangster in the Bronx and um, ran well, very everything. Very confusing. Well, what that's kind of cool. Yeah, that looks cool. So does this, actually. So, uh, so there you go. I might try to snag a copy of that. Uh, so, yeah, be listening for Tim Riley later on. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Wow, that was really loud. <laughs> when you hear that leaner on, be caller number nine. Uh, all right, it's 503 Let's do one more, and then I'll read these, then we'll break. Here's Tim Riley. You know what the germiest places in your life are? The, the what? The germiest. Oh, I thought you said the germaniest. No. Go ahead. Well, it says are here. Are you asking me to guess? Yes. Uh, it's participation. I, is this like in my body or in my home? It could be in your home or in a public place. <sighs> well, it seems too obvious. Like the toilet. I would say the sink. Your kitchen sink yes. is dirtier than most bathroom sinks. Mm. The airport bathroom second, a load of wet laundry, public oh. drinking fountains, oh, shopping public, cart handles. Public drinking. Oh, let's yeah. list. Okay, hold on. Let's list places that you touch every day. I don't mean on your body. Let's list inanimate things you touch every day that are probably loaded with bacteria. Mm. Go. 
Machines at Health Club. Okay, hold on. Let's. Oh, this is great. We're going to do a little high concept thing right here. It's 503-733-2970. Chris, you don't really need to screen these unless you really have time to do it. We might just sort of take these on screen as they come in. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, for germaphobes out there, we're now going to list inanimate objects that you come into contact with every day that are probably covered in bacteria, swarming with bacteria, riddled mm. with bacteria. Okay, so you said what? Your kitchen sink. Your kitchen sink. What was the other one? Drinking fountains? Mm -hmm. Drinking fountains. Can I tell you the most horrific drinking fountain story ever? Okay, go for it. Okay, when I was about uh, eight years old, in other words, old enough that I know I didn't imagine it, I was at a, uh, a rest stop. This will horrify everybody. Ooh, rest stops are gross. I was at a, hor a rest stop, and that's disgusting anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, stop to get a drink at a fountain. And, of course, you know, you don't let your lips touch the thing. Everybody knows. Even when you're a kid, your parents teach you, like, don't suck on the drinking fountain thing. You know, you hold your lips. You know, you don't make contact. You just press the thing, and you go, and they make you feel all messy because you're having to slurp. But, you like, again, you don't want your lips to touch it. Mm -hmm. So I'm at a rest stop. The punchline of this is so awful. I'm at a rest stop. I'm leaning my head down, drinking into the drinking fountain. I get done. I look down, and the little, you know, in, inner spouting where the water's coming out, filled with beetles. Oh. oh, I didn't swallow a beetle, but the water was gushing over them on on its way to my mouth. They were sort of showering in it as it came out. Oh, that's wrong. Washing little bits of beetle right into my mouth. Mmm, tasty. Uh, mm. All right, we're now going to talk about things you touch every day that are covered in bacteria. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Uh, give me a thing. The park drinking fountains where yeah. the people let their dogs lick them. Oh, do they do that, Tim? Yeah. Oh, that's it. I can't. How would the dogs even get up there? They turn it on for them and. Oh, and they the hold. Dogs. They lift them up. Oh, even that is. Even the disgusting. big dogs are just licking it, and I, all I can think of is where those tongues have been. That is really disgusting. And by where you mean scrotum. Pretty much. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Uh, we're listing things you touch every day that are covered in bacteria. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, they actually had a thing on the news the other day, and it's cell phones also. Yeah, yeah, you but, wouldn't think think about it, but they they test it and then they tested the toilet and it was but that's just a little your, bit higher than a toilet. But that would just be your own. I mean, unless, like unless you're just handing it to everybody in the office to use, how would that be the case? Because it's just germs out of your own mouth. I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't do the study. All right, thank you. He's all angry. Thank you, sir. It's like yeah. the bottom of a woman's handbag. Oh, yeah. Tens of thousands of bacteria found on the bottom. Sarah, tens of thousands of bacteria in the bottom of your handbag. Even bugs have been found. Oh, that handbag. can cause eye Disgusting. infections. Yeah, you should lick the bottom of it right now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, Rick. Uh, computer keyboards. Computer yeah. keyboards. Oh, man. And, you know, ATM buttons. Any, any sort of an office? Uh, oh, you know, where my other... God. Crumbs and everything. Crumbs. Yeah, well, oh, I've talked I mean, about that before. They've been festering in there since 1972. Totally, and nobody ever takes the keyboard apart to clean it either. So no, there's stuff just not. gunk just down in there. You know what it is? The keyboard is the shag carpeting of the modern office. Yes. No matter what you do, you can't get clear and clean oh, down the into the base. Keyboard's just gross. Yeah. Yeah. Well, think about those. Uh, think about the pots on the board, Sarah. The uh, oh. the volume meters on the board you use every day. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Where's the cleaning? Uh, hi, Sarah's looking for the Purell wipes. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how are you today? What's up, sir? 
The uh, remote control. Yes. Yeah, the remote control. And especially the ones in hotel rooms. I would, oh, I didn't exactly. even thought about that. They did a study on that, and the remote control was the dirtiest thing in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. But that was still covered with bacteria that you don't even want to know. Oh, uh, well, they, they've done that thing at some of the more low-rent hotels in various cities where they go and they shine that fluoroscope or whatever that light is, and it shows all the genetic material that sort of scattered all around the room. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, we'll finish uh, out like a bank or so, and then we'll talk to Rachel McGrath. Uh, this is our high-concept segment for today. We are listing things you touch every day that are covered with bacteria. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show in KCMD Portland. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, shopping carts. Yes. Ooh, yes. shopping cart handles. It's up there. Mm. That's disgusting. Oh, man, I'm all itchy now. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, they even have those things that you can wipe the shopping cart off with, but, I mean, it's... I've still... never seen those. Where are those? Oh, they have them at Fred Meyer. I haven't yeah, seen they, that. And at Fred Meyer's. And New Seasons. And stuff. I never noticed that. You'll have to look for those. I'll have to ask for them by name. Excellent. Yep. Thank you. Yep. All right, we'll do a few more here, and then we'll be done. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's something you touch every day that's covered in bacteria? Hey, it's Peter from Nick Arcade. <laughs> oh, really? Hi, yeah. Peter. Is he covered in bacteria? He is, indeed. All right. Um, so, uh... When I was in high school, my freshman year, I had a biology class, and we did those things where you rub the, uh, you rub something with like a uh, a Q-tip and then do a culture of it. Sure. The grossest one. We did a bunch of different ones. The outside of a, a hand sanitizer bottle. Oh yeah, because when do you go to use hand sanitizer? Yep. It's right after you've touched something. You put your hand in a big pile of uh, dog waste or something. It grew this huge green, purple, hairy lump. Oh my God! Yeah, because if you think about it. Okay, I'm going through the mechanics now. Hand sanitizer. Either A, because your your dirty hand is pressing down on the dispenser, the pump. So, of course, the top of the dispensing pump is going to be horrific. And then if you need to steady it for purposes of gravity, uh, you know, for purposes of stability, you put your hand around the neck of it or around the base. But certainly the top of the pump on a bottle of hand sanitizer has got to be because by definition it is a thing that is only used by those whose hands are crawling with infestation. And the other thing is you put the bottle down before you sanitize your hands so you never actually touch it like with clean hands to get it on the outside of the bottle. You know, I think about this sometimes actually. If my hands are dirty and I go into the bathroom to wash and use soap and whatever, you know, you, you, want, you, touch, you turn the handle, you turn the, the spigot, you know, the tap with a dirty hand and then you wash your hand, get it all clean, and then you have to touch the faucet to turn it off again, and your hands get all dirty again. I thought about that before. Too. I will never be clean again. Thank you. Yep. Bye. All right, two more, and then we'll talk to Rachel McGrath. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, hey Rick, what's up? What's up? A uh, couple of things that just anger me about bathrooms, and they still exist today. Uh, a lot of public bathrooms. Oh, that was Chris who did that. Thanks, Chris. All right. What you got? I think that was Chris answering in the uh, top, by the way. All right. <laughs> My bad. Yes, it was. Well, we'll never know what bothered that guy. All right, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, I'm sorry, now I'm answering at the bottom. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hi, What's what do you touch every day that's covered in uh, filth, sir? I'm thinking pens and pencils. They've been in people's ears and stuff. Oh, they chew on them. They, they chew on it. They jab it into a sensitive part of their anatomy and squirrel <laughs> around with it. Oh, that's revolting. Thank you. Oh, yeah. That's why I, only, I never let anybody use my pens. Uh, and one more, then we'll talk to Rachel. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Hey, buddy, um, money. Oh, yeah, money is the... Well, if you remember Stephen King's magnum opus, The Stand, that is how the super flu, Captain Trips, escapes from the laboratory and kills off two-thirds of humanity is through money. Maybe that's what Sarah has. <sighs> yeah. You know, sir, yeah. if you mysteriously get better, like in the next hour or so, I'm never coming anywhere near you. Thank you, sir. 
Thanks, Rick. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from deep within the flame, CNN radio correspondent Rachel McGrath. Hello, Rachel. Hello. Hi, how are you today? I'm good. I'm surrounded by lots of firefighters, so I'm having a good day. Fantastic. Uh, so where whereabouts geographically, I'm sorry, geographically are you located <laughs> right now? I'm in Malibu. Um, I'm at the staging area for all the firefighters and emergency services that have been fighting the Malibu fire. Uh, the good news is that uh, right now there are no winds. There have been no strong winds at all today here, uh, which is exactly what firefighters uh, wanted. Uh, they've got a good handle on this fire now. It's about 15 20% contained. Uh, they expect that's just going to get better as long as these winds don't come back. And um, a lot of the resources that were here are now being uh, sent out to uh, fight the other fires to the south that are still raging out of control and where the winds are still really blowing very strongly. Are they thinking, I, I may have heard this this morning, but I may be conflating two different news reports. Are they thinking that this was arson? The one in Malibu, um, it's still officially under investigation. Um, there, they think it may have been caused by downed power lines in Malibu Canyon, um, but uh, officially it's still under investigation. Um, I know that at least two or three of the other fires burning um, south of L.A. Are, are known to be arson, uh, but here in Malibu they're still investigating. Just on a purely logistic level, and I always do wonder this, because they get these wildfires that are just so massive. Do they have to uh, import firefighters from other states for this? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, um, nobody's seen uh, conditions and so many fires like this in over 20 years. The good news is that uh, the last time we had big fires in 2003 and resources were stretched thin and it wasn't very organized, there's been a lot of changes. Uh, so here, um, already as soon as we knew that these conditions were coming and um, the fire started breaking out, uh, they've got firefighters in from Arizona and Nevada, and I believe they're coming in now from uh, Northern California, from Oregon and Washington State. Uh, there's federal resources being, being uh, brought in, too, uh, in terms of FEMA. Um, about 800 Marines are being sent here. A National Guard have been uh, pulled off um, uh, border duty to, uh, to help with the, the fires. Um, of course, yeah, there is the issue that um, um, a lot of the National Guard in California are over in Iraq right now, so there probably aren't as many of those kinds of resources as, as normal. But, the, but so far, everything seems to be working well. All right. Well, thank you for the update, and stay safe, Richard. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. There you go. Thank you, Rachel McGrath, ladies and gentlemen, there uh, in you Malibu. You don't have to be all serious about it because she's the one commenting on hot firefighters. Yeah, but see, see the little role reversal here. Uh -huh. She was in you know, a levity. I was serious. You and your crazy Shaking mind it up games a little bit. with Rachel McGrath. Oh, playing hard to get, sir. Uh, it's part of my charm. Yeah. Uh, Rick. God, more physics emails. I'm not so, reading this. Yeah, instead of the physics emails, I want to hear some of these um, the applicants for job, Scotty J's job. Uh, well, we can't break now. Um, okay. Well, Tim really ought to hear these. But, okay, let me finish these two calls. We're going to do these two calls here. Uh, and then I think these may be germ calls. So this is a holdover here. We, they snuck in. Don't call about germs. Uh, we'll take these final two calls here, and then we'll do the Scotty thing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, I got one more of the germ thing. Yes, for sir. The grabby straps on the Max train. Oh, oh, that's disgusting. I hadn't even thought about that. But see, that's the, that's the reason for topics like this, because I hadn't even, it hadn't even occurred to me. But, and especially because you're all sweaty, and it's like they're really grinding against your hand, the little rubbery straps. I mean, they really, like, scrape against your hand pretty heavily. So, uh -huh. and you think, especially if you're riding the Max, I mean, God, you know, you'd probably half into a bag of fortified wine at that point anyway. And All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Yeah, don't make your fingers. All right, thanks. Final call about germs today. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, how you doing? What's up? This is Adam the Great. Hello, of course it is. Hello, Adam. How are you, my friend? 
Great, buddy. I can tell you what's really dirty okay. is money. And especially worse that is when some nose picking kid hands you a dollar bill. Oh man! A great magic show. You're like, what? I used to, listen to the bitterness. I used to work at a uh, at a Seven Eleven years ago, and I would just get these guys who would come in. And I I've told this story before. I, I used to work at a Seven Eleven in California, and it was down the street, not even down the street. It was like across the road from a rehab place. And I would get these guys, and it wasn't like a rehab place where you were locked up. You sort of could, you know, as long as you were back at night, you could sort of leave for a while. You could sort of roam. And so I'd get all these junkies who would come in, and the junkies would come in. If they were uh, getting off of smack, they would come in, and they would steal all the sugar. Because I guess if you just eat a ton of sugar, I guess it helps with, like, heroin, whatever, and withdrawal. And Anyway, so I'd get all these junkies who'd come in, and they'd load up on sugar. And occasionally, I would have to say, like, you can't like you can't just come in and steal the sugar. you got to buy something. And so they would come in, and so they would, like, rustle up like a dollar. And they would they, the junkie would come in with just these burned-out eyes. And they would come in, and they'd go, I'm going to... Um, I'm gonna buy these corn chips, and they would, and they would shove like the greasiest dollar you could possibly imagine. And I swear to you, like about nine times out of ten, the dollar was wet. It was damp. Ew. I mean, and I've actually felt bad about this sometimes. I have actually been the guy, like if I'm exercising or if it's just hot outside or something, and I have a money clip. Uh, but I don't keep it in my jacket. I have a money clip and it holds my... It's actually one of the greatest things I own. It is the most ingenious design for a money clip ever. But I have this money clip that I bought uh, that holds my credit cards and my cash. But I will really feel bad sometimes on a hot day that I will have to hand somebody a damp, like, $10 bill. And I just feel so bad. I feel so revolting. I always want to apologize to them. So Yeah, you would think it's a food dollar or something. Yeah, yes. <laughs> thank, thank you, sir. Later. All right, there you go. Yeah, Adam I do that too. Like, I shove a lot of money in my back pocket like, yeah. if you're riding your bike or something. It's warm outside. Yeah. All right. I've shown you my money clip, haven't I? Yeah. It's, it's the awesome. greatest. It's I the, totally want one. It's the That's simplest. you can get me for my birthday. Really? Uh-huh. Well, I guess it actually is. Uh, it's actually about the same as I would have spent uh, on uh, on a, on a, a, a whatever a thing. I'm trying to remember where I bought it now. Downtown somewhere. Uh, that's the coolest one. I think it might have been at Meyer and Frank, which is now Macy's. So I hope they still have it. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it was not cheap. It was like thirty thirty dollars, I think thirty five dollars. But it's which sounds like a lot to pay for a money clip, but it is the most ingenious, simplest. I don't mean to go on about a thing that nobody can see. Um, but I tried one money clip after another because I don't want to carry a wallet for a lot of reasons because it makes your spine all wonky and it tears out the back of my pockets and it wears through your jeans and it's bulky and it's whatever. This is the most. It is the most elegant, simple design ever. Uh, it's by Kenneth Cole. And I'm not a brand kind of guy, but I do buy a lot of Kenneth Cole stuff. Uh, and it works fantastically. Okay, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, get you one of those. All right. Uh, what are we doing here? Scotty J. Uh, let's see. All right. Well, let me just. Um, okay, let me do this. We'll talk about the Scotty J job application. Hey, Timothy, if you can hear my uh, voice, you should probably come in here for this. Uh, we we should Tim Riley should should rejoin us in the studio unless he's back researching some of that news. Let's give Tim a second and see if he arrives. One big deal. Oh, damn it. Is he here? Yeah, he's coming right now. All right.
Ah, there you go. Hello, Tim Riley. Greetings. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your news preparation for the live news that you do at top of the air all the way through, like us, 4, yes. 5, 6, and 7. Mm -hmm. I thought you might want to be here to hear, as we start, we looked at uh, one of these resumes for the position of Scotty J. Oh, yes. So this is, uh, Susan Reynolds gave me this note. She said, Rick, this application is fantastic. I haven't even listened to the air check yet. Read the application. Uh, and so this is on, okay, so this is written partially on K-Hit stationers. Let me get that out of the way. So I will not give his name no. um, uh, or any identifying characteristics. Um, so let's see. We've got this. So we, we can go through this. Um, let's see. Uh, how are you referred to us? Rick Emerson Show. So he was, since the guy heard us talking about this. Um, and, you know, we've all filled out job applications where they're, you know, all of the standard questions and all of the standard, you know, you know, they ask you, you know, what is the position you're applying for and what is your experience and so forth and you hey, hey. Uh, so we've got this um, position applied for. What would you say, how would you describe this position if you were a listener of the program? Phone screener, punching bag, or programming assistant, or PA, programming assistant. Like this position, Scotty J's job. That's what he's written. <laughs> he's just flat out applied for quote Scotty J's job. Um, let's see. Type of work desired: temporary, part time, or full time. He has foolishly checked full time. Uh, let's see. Salary desired. He's just written whatever. Are you serious? All right then. Look right there. You asked for salary it. desired. Whatever. It actually just says As that. As it should be. Um, that is seriously done and done. It's not done, but seriously, I mean, really honestly. Um, let's see here. Certifications or skills? None. Let's see. Uh, other studies, technical or trade skills? Uh, let's see. Has been volunteer board op. So you'll fit right in. Uh, let's see. And then he lists. Uh, okay. I won't identify again where where he lives or where he's gone to school, but he lists the high school uh, he has attended. Let me just say this: a high school number of years attended one. Um, oh, how old is he? And then uh, you know I don't know Sarah. Why don't I know Tim? You're not allowed to ask because that. because you're not allowed to ask that. What's his religion? Yeah. You're not allowed to ask. How old. Are you married? No, uh, you're not allowed to ask their age. Uh, At any job. No, no, you are not, uh, unless it is a job-specific requirement, and even then you can't ask. If you're interviewing somebody to be a bartender, you can say, are you legally, uh, 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 are you legally allowed to be in contact with alcoholic beverages? Uh, in other words, you can ask, basically, are you of age? But you can't ask how old somebody is. Huh. Uh, you cannot ask their age. You can only ask, are they legally able to, to do the job? Uh, and whether we also said you can't ask if they've killed somebody. I'm sure he hasn't. Um, let's see. And then he lists... So can we ask, like, height and weight? And then, um, I don't know. You can't ask height and weight unless it is a requirement of the job. In other words, if there's, like, a shelf you got to reach, and you got to be 6'2 to reach the shelf, you can say, to reach the shelf, which is a job requirement, one must be 6'2. Can you reach the shelf? And then they can say yes or no. You may not ask height, weight... You cannot ask religion. You cannot ask marriage status. You cannot ask age. You cannot ask if they've been dishonorably discharged. Hmm. Uh, there's like probably more. Those are the ones that come to mind. Um, okay, and then uh, there is a college. There's some college listed here, and then and then of course there's you know they name they have you know the name of the school, number of years attended, and then the, the nature of the degree. So next to the college under degree it just says not quite. Uh, really? Yeah. Let's see. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. So, so blah, far, blah, so good. Blah. Let's see. You can train me to do anything. And then at the bottom, it just says, it just says, come on, in big letters, which is fantastic. So there you go. Um, okay. Well, we'll get to more of this later. Um, we'll get to more of it later, because if I, if I give the next page, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be too in-depth. Um, okay. So I'm going to read the... I'm going to read the Winco story for Tim. Yeah. And also for a guy who just called in and said, quote, I demand to hear the Winco food story now. I need to go pick up dinner and can't listen to the radio forever. The answer is you can listen to the radio forever. So you can and you will. Uh, but, okay, so now there is a... So much time has elapsed between when I got this first email and now that there's actually now a follow-up email that I won't read quite yet. But uh, this is from our good friend Todd the Corpse, who often sends us these missives about life in the suburbs. Subject line, Tigered Winco. Rick, I just got back from the Tigered Winco, where the, suburb, uh, the suburban masses huddled together. I've written to you before about how they have one of those hook crane vending machine games, but the prizes are plushy dolls of world leaders like Mikhail Gorbachev and Dick Cheney. And he sent me a photograph of it, by the way. And I swear to God, if you look into this crane vending machine game, the, the prize you win is a small plush doll of Dick Cheney. I mean, who is, who is the target audience for that? Anyway, he said uh, the prizes are plush dolls of world leaders like Mikhail Gorbachev. And Mikhail Gorbachev, he's not even a leader from this century. And Dick Cheney. Well, now the machine has something even weirder, Rick. They have Saturday evening post toys. <laughs> Since I only glanced over to the machine and didn't process what I had seen until I was back in the car, I can't say specifically what the novelties were, but it looked like a keychain or something. The experience left me with two thoughts. One, what company will think that kids will flock to a machine dispensing toys based on magazines that were popular 60 years ago? And two, does this mean they still publish the Saturday Evening Post? Then, as I was driving out of the parking lot, a, uh, a white windowless van pulled up next to me, and two guys asked me, quote, Do you want some really sweet stereo speakers? We've got them right here in the back of the van. They had some story concocted about needing to get rid of them, and they were shocked. They were shocked that I turned the offer down. Winco is a really weird place. All right, so that is uh, story number one. Let's see. If I have it right here, I'll read the follow-up email. Uh, if, I, if I have it right, if I have it handy... I will read that. But first of all, Tim, do they still publish the New York Post or the Saturday Evening Post, rather? I haven't heard of it in many years. I mean, I will do research. Honestly, those crane games do target uh, like nine-year-olds, right? And yet, I, they're somehow putting Saturday Evening Post toys in one of those like sugar loaf vending game machines. It just doesn't make any sense at all. It's completely flabbergasting. I guess it is. All right. So let me check here. So I'm opening now. Uh, the follow-up email. Uh, this is the follow-up email to the... And an amazing number of people, by the way, have been demanding that I read this. So I'm waiting for this to open. Rick. Oh, and he sent me photos. Rick, I just got back from Winco, and I took a few pictures of the vending machine. As I was on my way back to the store to take pictures, I was trying to imagine what sort of product there would be in the Saturday evening post box. Would it be less funny when I actually found out what it is? Well, now I'm more confused than ever. The Saturday evening post toy that they give you in the machine is some sort of die-cast racing car. Um, 
it was behind something else and I couldn't fully see it, but this leads me to even more questions. What does the Saturday Evening Post have to do with racing cars? It wasn't even a delivery truck toy. It's a racing car that says the Saturday Evening Post. And what sort of race car making company sits around the marketing department saying, you know how we can make these race cars appealing to young people aged 7 to 12? That's right. Put the Saturday Evening Post on the side of it. It's all very puzzling. I did take some crappy cell phone photos of it, though. I was trying to take them through several layers of glass, and they kind of suck. Anyway, here are links to the pictures. Oh, I also took a picture of the plush world leader toys. Unfortunately, someone, quote, won the Vladimir Putin doll, and all they had left was one in the picture below. I had to scrunch down next to the machine to find a label because I couldn't tell who it was supposed to be. Apparently, the doll that is on top now, that can be won by anybody with the right amount of perseverance and luck, is a doll of Ronald Reagan. The label also has a biography on it. Long story short, the Tigered Winco is bizarre and fascinating. Anyway. Any so Harry Truman dolls? Seriously. Can we see the pictures? Do you uh, have them? Well, I've got them over here if you want to come look. Yeah. The Saturday Evening Post is fourteen ninety seven a year. If you subscribe now, you get a free book of cartoons. Okay, so we should, so you should come check it out. So it's stuck here behind this other prize. But there's the Saturday Evening Post toy that you can win. Uh, from the side, it, it, it is a racing car that says Saturday Evening Post on the side of it. Who would wish to win that? I don't know. Who says that? I must put my hard-earned money into this machine so I can win this car that says Saturday Evening Post. And then there's the Ronald Reagan plushie oh. doll. <laughs> Is this real? It's, yeah. no, they, 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 of course it's real. You've seen how the weird crap in those machines. It seems too ridiculous. Well, that's, I think, the point of the email, is that it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. Like, what sort of... There has to be some reality show going on around this stuffed toy machine. Yeah, I, I, I just, I can't... Who's... I, Maybe videotaping people's reactions? Maybe. Maybe. And who, apparently somebody won the Vladimir Putin doll. Like, who who stands in front of the crane machine and says, no, 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 I am not going home until I win this Vladimir Putin plush doll? There are a lot of Russians who live here now. I guess. All right, so there you go. I wish to win doll of man who said, tear down this wall. Mm-hmm. All right. Maybe Reagan is a, maybe Reagan is a, uh, is a folk hero. Maybe he's a folk that hero. Could be. That's a good question, actually, Tim Riley. Let me ask you this, because Lisa Goddard isn't around. What is the perception of Ronald Reagan in the former Soviet Union? Do you know? I don't know. I'd be curious to know that, actually, mm-hmm. because in America, we really are sort of polarized about Ronald Reagan. Republicans love him, and other people sort of viewed him as, you know, as sort, of, sort of like your enfeebled grandfather who was somehow given car keys one day. Uh, I'm unclear about what they feel about him in the Soviet Union, former Soviet Union. I'd like to know about that. All right. Well, in any event. Well, the next time I go, I'll take some notes. Okay. Let's take a break here, shall we? All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, we will come back with, uh, let's see, uh, a few calls. Um, really? Chris Scott claims that he's seen a crane machine in a bar in which one of the prizes was a vibrator. That's fantastic. All right. Back after this with Tim Riley and more of your phone calls. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show.
Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Rick, they always say that the majority of paper money has cocaine on it. What they don't tell you is that it got there by being rolled up and jammed into somebody's nose. Yes, Rick, all the money that has cocaine is covered in snuff. It's 503-733-2970. Think about that. Uh, I'll do these two calls, then we'll go to Tim Riley. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, what's up? What's up? Uh, yeah, about those guys that sell the speakers out of their car. Uh-huh. Uh, they've been doing that for years. Uh, we were accosted at a at the Foster and 82nd Fred Meyer on more than one occasion, those guys selling speakers. And they, their, their usual spiel is they say, yeah, I just want to get caught up. You want to get caught on this great deal where you got the – we got – our boss ordered too many speakers. We're doing an audio install at a construction site, and we got all these. We got a bunch of speakers that he over he uh, over ordered. You want to, you know, pick up some, some yeah. top of the line speakers? Yeah, and, our uh, boss you know, bought too many of these, so he wants us to unload them out of the back of a van with no paperwork. Correct. And the, and the thing is, these speakers are meant to look like really good studio monitors. They've got knobs to control, like crossovers and stuff. Sure. But they're complete. They're just turd. <laughs> I, but I, I will say that they're they they sound really bad. But uh, they're they're extremely rugged. They have, they last. My my buddy still has his, and they're about ten years old. But uh, they sound like crap. So yeah, so so they sound bad. But at least you can have them for a long time. Correct. Yeah, no, I mean they they've been rained on and everything. But uh, yeah, but they sound just awful. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Excellent. This food is awful in such small portions. Uh, I are on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. You asked about Reagan. Oh, it's Diana. Okay. So what is the perception of Ronald Reagan in the former Soviet Union? In the former Soviet Union, while he was in office, dangerous idiot. Of course, got the great Satan and so forth. Well, after he got out of office, simply idiot. <laughs> idiot, but now innocuous. Exactly. A neutralized idiot. Excellent. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. God bless you. All right, there you go. Fantastic. I love people who could just bottom line it for me. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, yeah. this is Tim Riley. That dates. Two people trying to commit suicide, neither has the guts to follow through. First, there was a 40-year-old woman who sat on the corner of Northeast 3rd Avenue in Davis with a gun to her head. All she managed to do was hold up traffic and ruin everyone's lunch. They finally hauled her away. Then we had this other guy who decided to jump off a building in Hillsboro. The only problem is he jumped into some trees... Had he jumped off the other side, well, he might have been hurt a little bit more. But landing in trees, no, it doesn't hurt. Uh, this is at the uh, parking garage at the Hillsborough County Community Correction Center in the 200 block of Southeast Adams Avenue. Uh, then Blue Hippo is a company you probably have seen on television. Promising if you have less than perfect credit to buy a computer. But be wary, because you'll end up paying like three or four times. The initial fee is $99. Then you pay 52 weekly installments of $39.99. Then after nine weeks of on-time payments, they'll order your computer. When all is said and done, you paid $2,100 for a computer that's actually worth $300 to $500. That's hard to believe. So go down a prize and buy one on the cheap. So in the past uh, 36 months, there have been over 1,500 complaints to the Better Business Bureau about Blue Hippo. If you have problems with the company, you should file a complaint with the Oregon Attorney General's office. So stay away from those people. Excellent. And, uh, of course, those wildfires continue to rage across Southern California and uh, burn victims are pouring into the hospital for treatment. So don't ask me why they're standing around getting burned. Yeah, yeah okay, that just doesn't make any sense. I mean, the fire doesn't... Fire is not like a bullet that comes at you really quickly. You can see a fire... Fire takes hours to get mm -hmm. anywhere. What, 
I just don't understand that. But that doesn't even that just that's completely uh, mm-hmm. that's completely mystifying. Okay. And, uh, Robert Goulet, the internationally known singer and actor, is in the hospital in critical condition. Apparently, he's waiting for a lung, and nobody will give him one. <laughs> I demand a lung right now. Give me a lung. So that's right. that for hey, now. Who wants to hear more vomit? Oh, I do. All right. So I never get enough. Well, no, we said we would put it off to this hour. So we've had three great vomits today. Uh, do you I have? I remember two. Do you have yours handy? Well, well we haven't I'll played the third it. one. All right. So. Um, well, let's. I'll tell you what. I'll play mine, Tim. Then we'll play yours. Then we'll lead up to this brand new one. So here's the first one. This is some poor soul being interviewed on live television, I believe, in Dallas. His name is Tyrone Davies, being interviewed by Michelle Lindsay. It's six or nine. Oh. So this is a, a kid being interviewed about a film he has made. And the best part about this is, if you listen closely, you can hear the sort of mouthful of spit unpleasantness sort of as he gets close to the to the to the money shot here so welcome thanks so much for coming in you're thanks taking part in a local film festival correct it's been going on for the last couple of days and tonight is everyone at home's last chance to take part in it you're showing a picture at 5:30 at the ragtag theater tell me about what's being shown the show that's going on tonight is called One Small Step it's a documentary about the first chimpanzees to be sent into space um Sort of a combination of the history of the space program and animal rights sort of activist piece. How many of you guys got together to put together this film festival? Um, there were two core individuals, myself uh, and Ryan Wiley. Mm-hmm. And uh, both of us went to school at MU in Columbia, and we're touring the country with that festival right now. And one of the pictures that I know Ryan was involved in was the Joe Amrine piece that got a lot of, you know, publicity. <laughs> I'm sorry. At MU in Columbia, and we're touring the country with that festival right now. And one of the pictures that I know Ryan was involved in was the Joe Amrine piece that got a lot of, you know, publicity. <laughs> All over the desk. I'm sorry. <laughs> Excellent. So somebody probably like Scotty had to clean that up after that interview. Yeah, totally. Wiper! Uh, all right, uh, so why don't you play yours, and then we'll unveil the newest one from uh, several people. Yeah, hello. Hello. Hey, what are you? Niklas. Hey, Niklas, where are you? Uh, Tull. <laughs> That's so visual. That is theater of the mind. Really, it is, and I mean, it sounds great. It's even funnier yeah, when you watch it. A glass of water or something. It's such oh. a projectile. Can you moment. play that one one more time. Yeah, hello. Hello. Hey, what are you? Hey, Niklas. Where so you can see it on my blog. About 700 people have logged in to watch it. Genius. All right, here's one. Uh, let's see. This is uh, from several people here. And um, this is um, a guy hosting a tech watch program. His name is Eric. He is the product manager on some low-rent sort of tech watch Oh, I haven't show. seen this one. Yet. All right, should come over here and watch it. Sarah? Ooh, okay. See, you know, you claim not to find it funny. You know you do. All right, so this is Eric blah, blah, blah. Uh, hosting uh, a tech watch program on some G4 type network. Well, that's exactly right. What we've done is we've taken the 360, we've added a DSP, and then we. (laughs) 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 
go, Sarah? No, I need to. Oh, my God, without the audio. The visual is actually not as great as the audio. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Let's try that. Can you hear it now? Yeah. Make sure Tim can hear it. Oh, it's genius. Okay, here we go. Well, that's exactly right. What we've done is we've taken the 360, we've added a DSP, and then we've... <laughs> I would expect this out of you, Rick, but Tim Riley? Vomit's funny. I play one more time now that I have my headphones on. Okay, one more time. Here we go. Well, that's exactly right. What we've done is we've taken the 360, we've added a DSP, and then we've... <laughs> oh, my stomach hurts. Right after the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. So we'll hear about that coming okay. up. Okay. As we head to the break, a look at the 60. Well, that's exactly right. What we've done is we've taken the 360, we've added a DSP, and then we. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been quite a day, hasn't it? Do you have any more news? No. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> mm. All right. Yep. Ugh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back after uh, back after this. Let me just play some of the break here. Come back after this. We're wrapping up. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We've taken the 360. We've added a DSP. And then we... <laughs> Hello. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day. The final segment of the Rick Everson Show. I feel all alone now that Tim has uh, left the studio. Oh, do you now? Maybe yes, now maybe. you know how I feel. Maybe. Uh, all right. We got a couple calls here. And don't forget, like is at 3, Donna Mike at 7. Join us tomorrow when we'll have uh, Mr. Skin on the program, among other luminaries and so forth. I got a horrific email about a water fountain. It's so bad, I almost think I don't want to read it. Well, we'll decide later. Uh, two calls here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. We'll do this and the other one. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? If you want to make that the one with the Swedish woman even better, there's a website where you can go to where somebody has overdubbed it. Uh-huh. And instead of the actual co- uh, conversation they're having, basically the woman is asking the caller, do you have any um, videos of celebrities having sex? Right. The guy says yes, and she says who, and she says Meg White of the White. He says Meg White of the White Stripes, and at that point she vomits. <laughs> That's genius. And then they, they loop it again, and she asks again, so they do it twice, and it just makes a great thing even. Better. That is the internet really is gold, sir. All right. And by the way, Rick, 75th best show ever. Thank you. All right, bye now. Uh, final 75th. call for the day. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show, sir, madam, as the case may be. Hey, what's up, Rick? This is Alan. I'm here with my girlfriend, Emily. We're huge fans. Thank you. We called with you like a month ago about Sealand. Oh, yeah, 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 Sealand, that place off of London that is its own country. Yes. Okay, so me and my girlfriend, we sell the speakers. We get them wholesale. Uh-huh. And we can get a 2,500-watt system, five speakers, and a powered sub 
and we pay 300 because we get them wholesale. If you wanted to buy one system from the company, you're going to be paying upwards of $700. I mean, it's, the MSRP is 5000 on them alone. Wait, hold on. So you are one of the guys, uh, you and your girlfriend, in the van selling the speakers? Well, yeah, we're in an SUV, but yeah. Now, D, now let's just stop for a moment. And... So they're not stolen. You're kind of just a damn the man. So exactly. when you say you buy them wholesale, now how much do you pay wholesale? We pay 300 around 300 depending on the set, but 300 you know. We have a lot of different systems we can buy. But now, yeah. how many does that require you to buy? That would require three pallets with 20 sets on each pallet, so 60 sets. 60 sets for $300? Yes. So where, who are you buying them so from? So that is $18,000. No. 60 no, no, no. sets at $300. Pays, $300 for 60 sets. So he pays that. Wait, you pay $300. Okay, I'm so confused. You pay $300 total for 60 sets of speakers? No, 300 each. So 300 That's what I'm saying. 60 okay. sets at 300 each is $18,000. Is it? Yes. Yes, it is. So you're telling me you pay $18,000? Yeah, well, we go in with it a couple other people, but yeah, we all put in the money and we get them and we keep them in a warehouse. And yeah. That's how we do it. Who do you buy them from? We'll sell them for like 500 You know, we only make 200 off each sale. Now, from, now who do you buy these from? Well, it's a, there's two different companies we can go through, but... Do you do the, Do you speak with the actual company yourself? Yes. So the, I, mean, I, I, can, I can give you the website. You can go and look at it yourself. I'm not, dis, I'm not disputing this. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to accuse you of being a criminal. However, uh, you do understand that even if your business is completely legitimate, I'm willing to accept that it is, that b all the surface indications uh, on the surface, it bears a striking similarity to a number of people who have sold me things in the past or attempted to seal me th sell me things in the past when I was younger that, uh, you know, that fell out of the back of a truck somewhere. <laughs> oh, I know. I totally understand that. And you grew up in Tri-Cities? Yeah, yes. Tri-Cities, and we fell out in Tri-Cities. Of course you do. <laughs> Excellent. All right, my friend. Well, it is, in the, it is the American way, so continued good luck to you and your girlfriend, and thank you both for listening, sir. And we pay taxes and everything, unlike some of the people that do it. You know, some people are more scandalous than us. You know but what? Yeah, we try to keep it legit. You're part of the solution, not part of the problem. <laughs> All right, thanks, Rick. Thank you. Bye now. Yeah. All right, there you go. <sighs> okay. Do we end with the worst email of the day or not? I don't know. How are you feeling about that? Let's flip a coin. How long do we have till the music starts? 30. All right. Heads, we read the email. Tails, we don't. Tails, we don't read it. All right, just as well. It really was truly horrifying. Is it about is it the water one? Uh, the water fountain one? It's about a water fountain, but I don't think they CC'd you on it. I don't think you've seen it. It really is awful. Okay. I might read it tomorrow. Hold on. I'm going to write it down. Oh, we're ending. Why, Hello. Uh, all right. The Rick Emerson Show, produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970, Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley uh, manning the phones today is Christopher Scott. And, of course, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. Thank you for coming by. Donna Mike uh, at 7. Preceding that is Tom Likas, who begins momentarily, my friends. John and Jeff overnight. Dennis Miller, 7 to 11. And, of course, we'll be back again tomorrow at 11 a.m. Until then, don't let the bastards grind you down. Thank you for listening. Watch out for snakes. And uh, be safe. See you all tomorrow. Bye now.